Let's go up to our ring announcer. The following podcast is scheduled for one episode and is our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. Wrestling fans, and welcome to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thanks for being with us here for episode number 82 here on Monday, May 21st, 2018, here to romp through the world of retro wrestling. I am Joe Murata. That is Mr. Michael Quinn. How you doing there, Michael? Uh, howdy doody. Welcome back to another episode, your first one after your birthday last week. Yes, last week. Yes, 22 uh, years old. 22, yeah. Still? Young and... <laughs> yeah, you're still quite a young. I, although with 22 years old, I don't know how that makes the whole 40 years of fandom add up. Combined or fandom, yeah, yeah. that's right. We do have over 40 years of combined <laughs> fandom. We haven't said that in a long time. Yeah. And here we're going to talk to you about some things we remember and some things we wish we didn't. Uh, folks, thanks so much for being with us here. If you're new to the show, uh, we are this corny, yes, and we do. Uh, mm-hmm. We do talk about the world of retro wrestling, the whole world. And before we get to any of that, I just want to remind you guys: if you haven't yet, what are you waiting for? Follow us on Twitter at OVP Podcast. You can also email us if you prefer that at OVP Podcast at gmail.com. That is OVP Podcast at gmail.com. But Quinn, there's a great place to chat with you, to chat with me, to chat with all the other zany retro wrestling fanatics out there. Where is that, Michael? It's over at facebook.web.friends. It's a great <laughs> website. Um, if you like your privacy, it's kind of a it's great a, website. It's a little suspect, yeah. Yeah. But anywho, uh, over there, we have a group. It's called the Our Vantage Point Dash Retro Wrestling Podcast Facebook group. Yes. You put it in your search there, and then you hit the join, and then bada bing, bada boom, you're in. Now, what exactly do we do there? Well, uh, we post stupid pictures of things, <laughs> kayfabe news, all sorts of crazy, wacky stuff. Yeah, lots of wacky stuff there. And we've been uh, promoting ourselves as the Statue of Liberty, or, or lately the Ellis Island yes. of retro wrestling Facebook groups. Meaning, come one and come all. Bring us your huddled masses and your smelly and whatever else it is. Yep. We want the smelly. <laughs> lots of smell. <laughs> we, we prefer the smell. So just head on over there if you have a Facebook account that you probably do, because most people do. Go to Facebook.com feet.foot and uh, join and we will let you in and we'll have a really great time and there's a few other things uh, if you like to donate there'll be more on this later in the show you can go to patreon.com slash ovp podcast that's if you want to donate and Quinn there's a few friends of the show that we really like to give a shout out to each and every week yes we did they're great shows there's they're, other good podcasts they're fantastic podcasts yep one of them is the wrestling podcast about nothing which is actually a wrestling podcast about wrestling. Yeah, not nothing. It's not about nothing. We did ask them about that <laughs> on one episode. We did clarify this, and yeah. it is a wrestling podcast about wrestling, uh, but it's called The Wrestling Podcast About Nothing, WPAN, and it's hosted by two guys that have worked in the business. One of them currently is a wrestler for Ring of Honor. That is Brian Malonis. Yep, the Wine City Whaler. That's right, the Wine City Whaler. He's joined each and every week by a former, or I guess a current wrestling referee on an extended hiatus. I'm not sure how he does this. Yeah, I'm not sure, Joe. It's I'm a little not, dubious. Is he is he still a ref tech? Does he have his referee's license? I think he still, still has his referee's license, yes. And his name is Mean Mike Crockett. And that's WPA. And they have a great show. They will do some cool stuff, like interview guys from the indie circuit. And uh, it's a great show. So check them out. WPAN, the wrestling podcast about nothing. And Quinn, there's another show. Greetings from Allentown. It's hosted by our little brother. 
Yes, Little Petey. Little Petey Winston. It's a whimsical little show. It's a magical little show. It's a fantasy land based in reality. It is a pop culture vulture, if you will. Whoa. Yeah, I know. I'm really promoing <laughs> it up a, there. That's a lot of hype there. That's a eh? lot of hype. Well, we like the show, right? Now, Petey Winston, he hosts a one-man show. There's not two of them. No. It's only one guy. What he does is each week he picks an episode of old wrestling television, and as he goes through that episode, he interweaves and interconnects personal anecdotes, recollections, pop culture references. It's a whole thing, and you should check it out. It's GF Allentown. Greetings from Allentown. Yes, it's gotten fantastic Quinn, show. It's gotten you through some hard times, Squim. Got me through blizzards and <laughs> snowstorms yeah. and rain and all sorts of nonsense. I really like that show, though. Me too. I like both of those guys. Uh, they're tremendous podcasts out there, and we're we have a very loose but nice association with each other. They're also available at our Facebook group. You can talk to either of them. That's how uh, welcoming we are to it's those. It's like two an guys. invisible network of podcasts. It is. It's like an invisible network, and we've been doing something new this season, Quinn. Mm-hmm. To go through the world of retro wrestling, you know, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but Quinn and I have a side business. We are independent private wrestling investigators. You know, it's a very serious business. And what we do is we take a great mystery, a great unsolved case in the world of retro wrestling. And we go through, we even have our own little song that we do, you know, to talk about that here. You're on the case. On the case. On the case. You're the detective now, kid. And nothing's stopping you. There's justice to be served. So serve it. The year was 1994, on the eve of WrestleMania 10. Wrestling superstar Lex Luger allegedly got drunk and told the newspaper writer that it was he, in fact, who was going to win the world title from Yokozuna and then drop it later in the night to Bret Hitman Hart. Upon viewing WrestleMania 10, one can clearly see that Lex Luger did not win the world title, and the great rumor, the great case has always been, did this really happen? Did Lex Luger squander his one chance, finally, at the World Wrestling Federation title? This is one of my favorite uh, mm-hmm. situations yeah. here, Joe. All right, so I what think, do we got, I think Quinn? it's time to talk. Let's talk about it. We talk haven't... turkey, as they say. <laughs> We haven't really talked too much turkey about this one. What do you yeah. got in your mind about this rumor here? I don't know. Well, I really like this one. And you know what? It's just because it's so stupid. <laughs> it is really stupid. Um, although I like to say that it happened. And I, I, I probably like convinced myself at this point that it's happened. <laughs> it hasn't. But the whole thing is that, like you said, he, he said he was going to win the title and he didn't. Yeah. But I always ask the question, like, why not? Why, why couldn't it have happened? Like the whole like the reasoning why it didn't happen after he did that makes sense. Like if you're blowing results when you're drunk, like they yeah. just switch it. Like what is wrong with any of that from like a reasonable perspective? Like logically, you mean it yeah. could have happened. Right. That scenario could have plausibly happened. Right. Folks, if you've never heard of this rumor, as far as I know, it isn't true, but it's such a funny rumor. And, and we'll probably throw in as we do this season, a bunch of funny ones. Right. like this that are pretty obvious but this is a funny one to discuss quinn because we all know what happened at wrestlemania 10 bret hart was going to be the guy regardless he was walking out of wrestlemania 10 with the title right but the persistent rumor especially in the 90s and into the 2000s was that luger told i think it was a new york post writer or new york you know one of those papers in new york yeah. at a bar the day before that he was going to beat yoko and drop it to bret or maybe if i do win the belt my like vince said maybe we'll do it at wrestlemania 10 
my main problem from a booking standpoint, I know logistically that story could have happened. Yeah. Why would they do that from a booking standpoint? Well, perhaps it had something to do with the fact that Luger needed something. <laughs> to like, not look I mean, like an idiot. Considering what they did with him afterwards with Tatanka and all that shit. Yeah, that I was mean, pretty much the summer of Tatanka. <laughs> right, exactly. I proclaim this the summer of all I'm getting at is that, you know, this might have been him squandering his entire run, really. I mean, <laughs> so do you do you mean to tell me that if he beats Yoko for even the title, if he loses it to, and then he loses it to Brett, he's got a built in rematch at SummerSlam or King of the Ring or something. True. King of the Ring. Good yeah. point. So you mean to tell me at least at the very least he has under his belt Lex Luger, former World Wrestling Federation champion. Right. And that meant a lot in 1994. The title wasn't like That's changing true. all the time That's- and stuff. Absolutely true. You know, at first I was going to say, well, it'd be really weird for them to have someone win the title and then lose it on the same show. But the year before... They did the same damn thing. Yeah, you're right. And actually, it would have been poetic justice if Brett was the one to end up doing it. Poetic what? Poetic justice. Justice. Justice, whatever. (laughs) No, I know you're right, because it happened with Yoko, right? Where Yoko won the title, obviously, at nine, and then immediately lost it to Hulk Hogan. What what is wrong with this rumor? I I don't see, like... It's actually pretty good. It's actually, like, not ridiculous or anything. You really are on the case. That's the name of the segment, by the way, OVP on the case. You are on the case, Quinn. Right. You're saying this could have happened. It could have. I like this. And I actually, it's gotten so far embedded in my brain <laughs> yeah. that I envision Luger I in like detail. Like Let's this, hear it. This is where he is. He's in like a booth, but the kind that like curves. You know what I'm talking about? Like <laughs> a curved at, booth, yes. Like a curved booth at a restaurant or yeah, a bar sure. or something, right? With the with the little table in the center with the circle table. What, are the, what is he drinking? Maybe there's mirrors on the wall behind him. Okay, what is he drinking, you think? Oh, uh, probably just like any beer, like, Like, but in a bottle, not a can. Really? Yes. I was thinking out of the glass, not even the glass. No, no, no. Straight out of the bottle. Straight out of the bottle. Is it like one of those places where it says on the menu, like beer, light beer? No, no, no. It's like, it's actually like a more of like a nightclub setting, like a a little higher, but not like a dancey dance. Like it's got the corner where the people hang out and stuff. Is it dark in there? Yes. Okay. So that's the thing. There's also like one light bulb hanging over. Okay. And on one side of him is like some wrestling friend. And on the other side is the... The reporter? The reporter. Okay. Who's with him? Wrestling friend. Like, do you have any idea? Samu. I don't know. Like, <laughs> like, somebody, like somebody like inconsequential like that. Samu. Like, okay, yeah, Samu. Like, so so Luger and Samu are sitting in a bar. And then what happened? And the New York Post guys over there, they're just killing time, you know, before the show yeah, the, the next day. They're in town. Yeah, right. Luger and Samu get to get a drink together. <laughs> and, and Luger starts spouting his mouth off after like five, ten beers or something. Right. And there you go. So you don't think he was drinking milk is what you're trying to say. Oh, hell no. <laughs> See you June 13th. The other thing is you have to remember, it's like WrestleMania is their kind of time when they celebrate it. Yeah, like, oh, definitely. So it was like it was the end of the year for them. It was like the big end of the year show. Yeah, yeah sure. So it's like they're going to go out and celebrate the night before. It's like how companies have an office Christmas party. Yeah. The day before WrestleMania is like their office Christmas Except party, right? Except in this situation, only Samu and Lex Luger <laughs> went to get a beer at some like place. Now, this must have been after FanFest. Yes. Right? Obviously. That was long, earlier today. A long day. night of autographs. Dunkin' Doink. Samu was bored of Fatu because they'd been like, you know. Shrinking heads together. Shrinking heads, like signing autographs, like autographing with their heads. <laughs> 
So, okay, so Luger's telling this guy, this guy quickly writes up a column, right? and it goes in the paper the next day, that's what you're telling me. Right, or it, it doesn't because of reasons. Maybe yeah. Luger gets hold of him, or Vince does, or somebody gets wind. Samu's like, wakes up, that maybe they were rooming together, or they wake up the next day, Samu's like, dude, do you know what you, did you know what you even did last night? And he's like, wait, what happened, bro? And he's like, you told him the end of the match! Like, something like that. So how does Vince find out? Maybe they both, like, go to Vince and be like, we fucked up. Like, you need to, like, do something quick. So Samu is in this <laughs> yeah, conversation. Yeah, he's like the, ra- the rational. Does Vince know who this is? Does he know which head shrinker he's talking no, to? No, he doesn't know. <laughs> so then Vince is like, ah, damn it. I'm going to punish you. And you're you're going to lose to perfect. But they didn't fire him. Out. They didn't fire him because no. he, like, told. Right. Like, he, he, like, admitted it or whatever. So you mean to tell me that yeah. we can blame most of this on Samu? Yeah, I'm fine with that. No, I mean, <laughs> but listen. See, in all seriousness, yeah. like I Go do, ahead. like it's so. Imb- the point is, it's so embedded that I have my own like vision of like it even happening, like the place, the time. Because I used to think about it a lot as a kid for some reason. Did you really? Yeah, it just it was one of those rumors that was. It was weird back then because you didn't think of the wrestlers like giving the results away. It seems, <laughs> right. It seems so like amazing that it could even happen. Can you really see, though, a guy like Lex Luger, who had come up about 10 years earlier, 1985, I think, kind of an old school guy, was trained by old school guys and and knew the business, was a a pro, a true pro. Yeah. Can you really see him, even in a drunken state, giving the results away? See, that's the thing is, in his right mind, he never would, right? Right. I I don't think he would, obviously. He's not an asshole. No, he's not. But I mean, like, in a an inebriated state, especially the night before WrestleMania when they're partying and stuff. Sure. I could see someone slipping. Like, maybe it wasn't even, like, an intentional, like, this is what's going to happen. It was more like, when I win the title tomorrow night mm. and after the first match or something. Right. You know, like, just because he's just fucked up or whatever. But don't you think, what does it really do if they were to really go with that finish? If that was really the plan? Which or maybe I- he said something like, I'm going to fight Bret Hart tomorrow. Maybe. But why would they do that? I don't know! Aside from like, all right, now Luger's a former champion for an hour or whatever, right? Why would they actually have Brett beat Luger to kick off his big world title reign when Luger was also a face? It just seems like you're, you're, you're giving a chance for the audience to split. Well, I honestly think the, the reasoning behind it, if it were to be true, yeah. would be simply because Luger needed it. Like and, no matter how long, and I know we were saying in the in the opening, like the just that Luger needed that title run. He might it might have changed the dynamic of his entire tenure in the World Wrestling Federation. It might have. It might have given him a higher profile. Do you think it would have been a good match? Actually, I, if you turn one of them heel, and obviously it wouldn't be Brett, but I no. mean, if you turn Luger back heel after the fact, it might have been interesting. You mean like a like if they did a King of the Ring rematch or yeah. something like that? Yeah. What do you think? What would the finish be? I mean, Brett's winning. Does he beat him with the sharpshooter? Yeah, definitely. Maybe he, he maybe he like misses the um the elbow thing, the elbow thing into the maybe an exposed turnbuckle or something. Oh, look at that! And then he and then, he falls on his back, and Brett gets, oh, like, gets he, the sharpshooter. He takes a big face first bump, falls yeah. backwards. Yeah, Brett hooks him while laying on the ground like they, the Kurt Hennig finish from yeah. SummerSlam '91. Right. Yeah, turns him over. Yeah, I just can't see it being... It was kind of like poetic justice, though, as it was for Brett to beat Yoko, don't you think? Because he lost it the year before. That's all fine and good, but I... I, (laughs) You really want the Samu thread. No, I don't care. No, it's not even that. It's like, I didn't really care about seeing Brett fight Yoko again, ever. 
They could have done that. I did. I loved it. Who gives a shit about Yokozuna? Like, uh, that's the other thing is that enough Yokozuna by like, well, by like that time. Okay. So you're saying like Luger finally gets his due because he beats Yoko clean. And and he needed, honestly, he needed it more than Brett to me. He needed to close the book on that whole, I'm the champion at like (laughs) SummerSlam 93. I'm the champion. I've never wrestled before. What does a count out mean? I'm the champion. He needed that. Why didn't you win? I don't know. Win the belt. Yes, Vince. The way it went down, and maybe it was, you know, the I'm sure it was the original plan because they were going to do the perfect Luger feud. Luger looked like a big dork yet yeah. again. Like, what do you think overall of the WrestleMania 10 scenario, the Luger-Yoko thing with perfect as it happened? It make- I mean, it worked out pretty good. Yeah. It's just that it left Luger holding a bag of shit. Like, <laughs> he just looked like an idiot. Like, to me, it was like the death knell for him. Like, it it really was. Like, that was it. Now he's getting fucked over by Perfect. I mean, like, this guy just can't win a fucking match. Right, right. And then to make matters worse, Perfect, like, after two weeks, decides he's not going to wrestle and he's going to leave. what? (laughs) It's ridiculous. You know who Luger got stuck feuding with? Crush. Yeah. Crush! This This is my point. It's like, maybe there is some truth to this because it's like... His whole run just falls down the stairs or something. So, like, it's just fucking done. Like, so you're saying that maybe even though there's no proof that this article ever surfaced, you're saying maybe Luger told a news writer. Maybe. Or he slipped and said, I'm going to fight Bret Hart tomorrow or something like that. To me, that is like where the slip would occur. It's not like a direct thing. He would just say something like when I fight Brett, I mean, Yokozuna, tomorrow. <laughs> like something like that. Like, you think it's that simple and innocent? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like when I fight Brett, I mean, Yoko, yeah. don't tell anyone Samu. Yeah. <laughs> Samu. I really like, I have to say, I think I speak for all of our fans uh, that we appreciate Quinn, you sharing your vision here of yeah. this with Samu and the, the mirror on the walls and everything I, I like would, that. I would like, to think that like people will remember it like that and and the boots got the like the red like yeah felt or whatever like that felt? no just like not felt like you know that like rubbery substance vinyl vinyl the vinyl yeah. booth is it kind of like squishy a little bit yeah yeah like a tiny bit yeah was he eating food there too or no probably not if he was drinking that much to, <laughs> to drop the tip or whatever well i hope we can call this an ovp case closed <laughs> can we <laughs> i hope we can <laughs> folks let us know what you think or what you know about this i'll be honest i didn't i wasn't conrad thompson i didn't do any research on this one <laughs> i'm just going off of our memories but until next time if you have a case that you would like ovp to be on the case about let us know you can reach us on twitter at ovp podcast email us or let us know in the facebook group well quinn when we come back, it's time for a very special Mount Rushmore and Death Valley. And that's coming up right after this. You know, I feel truly blessed and fortunate to have enjoyed success in both professional football and in professional wrestling. Career. And in my life, there's absolutely no room for drugs. You kids out there are always faced with tough decisions growing up. But let me make one decision real easy for you. When you're faced with the decision to take drugs, just say, I don't know! Hi, this is Jameson. Remember me? Yeah, me neither. You're listening to Our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast. It's the best. 
And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Glad to have you with us here for episode number 82 here on Monday, May 21st, 2018. Hey, Quinn. Yeah. Hi. Uh, it is time for Mount Rushmore and Death Valley, and that is where each week we have put and we will continue to put four of the best of something onto Mount Rushmore and four of the worst go down into the desert of Death Valley. And if you would like to contribute a suggestion, you can go to ovppodcast.com. Go to the little suggestions link. There's a spreadsheet with a ton of them, and we try to do our very best to do a lot of suggestions as we go on. Right. And this one is a suggestion, Quinn. It is from Andrew LaSalle. He put a phonetic pronunciation in oh, the spreadsheet phonetic, for me. Huh? Isn't that very nice of him? Impressive. Yes, and Mr. Phonetics here wanted us to do the Mount Rushmore and Death Valley of... Mr. Fuji Protégé. Aha, uh-huh, that good. That good, Gene. <laughs> Axe's eyes are closed. You can't open them. <laughs> That's Fuji's fault. Yeah. Folks, we've done a few of these Protégé ones. We've done uh, Jimmy Hart, uh, Bobby Heenan. Mr. Fuji is not what I would call one of the better managers of all time. He's not the worst. He's just kind of in the middle. Yeah. He's, like, he's middling. Yeah. We like to say, right? Very middling. He is uh, in a lineup that included in the 80s and 90s guys like Bobby Heenan mm-hmm. and Jimmy Hart and even Slick. Like I don't know even where Fuji falls amongst I Slick. I think Fuji's like an inch above Slick. <laughs> yeah, not they, by much. Not by much. But Fuji at least managed like a champion or two. Yeah. And Slick never did, as yeah. far as I can tell. <laughs> so uh, this is Andrew LaSalle's pick. But Quinn, why don't you grab the stick and start with one of the best? One of the best? Yeah. Demolition. Yeah, man. To me, that's like the best way. It's like automatic. Now, the demos, Fuji managed from... Like mid eighty seven. Now uh-huh. they, they debuted in January, February of eighty seven. Right. He managed them from mid eighty seven until he turned on them in Survivor Series of eighty eight, and that's for his powers of pain. Yes, and that's what led to Axe's eyes being closed and can't open them. Right. But then Fuji managed them again. Right. In but the that end was, of ninety. But with the crap music. And yeah, the, and, and Smash and Crush. Yeah, it was horrible. Are we talking about just the Axe and Smash version of Demolition? I got okay. Let me put it this way. Go ahead. The the time that Fuji managed them when they were poopy, first of all, yeah. two two factors. It wasn't even the real demolition. Fuck Crush. Like <laughs> he is not part of the team. Like I hate this crap. Like this uh, okay. like, it's garbage. Okay. Like it's just to me it's just an excuse to make demolition look shitty. Not a big fan of Brian Adams, are you, Quinn? No. No, and I know we'll that. find out more about him later <laughs> yes, today. Yes, we will. But anywho, um that was just junk and mm-hmm. it wasn't very long. No, it was like six months-ish. Yeah. Now, when they were, like, coming up... Yes. It, Fuji was, like, the huge upgrade from Johnny Valiant. <laughs> yes. And rest in peace, Johnny Valiant. But, oh, my goodness, was that a mismatch. Yeah. Johnny V was more of, like, a low-rent Bobby Heenan. <laughs> he was, like... He was without he was the just, comedy or the good. He was just a low rent manager. <laughs> yeah, it he wasn't, just it, not even anybody. Johnny V is bringing to the Big Apple a team like no team I've ever brought before. The demolition is what they are, baby. The demolition. Like this guy managed Dino Bravo before this. You know what I'm saying? Or he during never, this, he, he didn't make very many good choices. But with this one, he did make a good choice. Although his initial choice was to have Moon Dog. Rex or whatever, but uh, Moon Dog Rex, yeah, yeah, right. It was Rex or Randy <laughs> Colley. Thankfully, cooler heads prevailed, and uh, Barry Darso came in a few matches into this run. Thank God, but Johnny V, thankfully, was replaced by Fuji. And we, I think we mentioned this once that Fuji added a layer of like deviousness, no pun intended, well, he is the devious one, cynicism, like a little bit of danger. <laughs> very, very true. You make a pun, it suffer. 
even cartoony. Yeah. But Fuji wasn't funny at the in, during this period of time. And now you never knew if the demolition knew um, the, <laughs> the martial <death>. arts. <laughs> Did they ever use the martial arts? I don't think I, so. They probably knew them though. Anybody managed by Fuji knew the martial arts because he taught it to them. That yes. was like part of his routine. He's the master of the martial arts. <laughs> now normally we volley before we put one in. Uh huh. So I'm going to do a courtesy volley. There's no way the demolition aren't getting in. However, I got to say, Don Morocco is a great one because if nothing else, the Fuji Vice and all the comedy shit they did together is pretty fun. I want to deal with a Seahawk personally. Who is this dude? Don't worry about him. He's okay. He's from out of town. It's good. The thing with all of the, the stuff is, is like... The thing with the stuff. Is you always have the how many spots do we have open or whatever? Yes. Morocco wasn't exactly great during his Fuji run. Like, he, he wasn't, like... He didn't like the, the world on fire. Yeah, he didn't... Like, he wasn't, like, on top of the card or anything. Like, he, it was, like, his downswing. Now, Fuji managed him already in 85, right? He was one but of the earlier people he managed. Yeah, but he didn't manage him when he was Intercontinental Champion. No, he didn't. Fuji was still wrestling. Correct. Right? And, you're right. And he didn't manage him to anything good, right? I mean, he fought Orndorff at two when Orndorff did the Japanese eyes to him. I think he also fought the Hawkster on um, Saturday Night's Main Event. That might have been the highest Morocco got during the time. (laughs) Under Fuji's tutelage, yeah. And he managed him and Bob Orn at WrestleMania 3 against uh, the the K&M connection, as Gorilla would say. Right. K&M connection! So, all right, so you're saying that Morocco's not even in the same class as a demolition? let's just put some more prospects out there. Go ahead. I want to nominate because I think... The second version of them is really good. The Orient Express. Yeah, the second that, version is good. That ended up being probably awesome. The Orient Express came in, folks, as Sato and Tanaka. Yes. The, in 90. The, the manager of um, Hakushi. Hakushi yes. Shinja, yeah. Shinja. And a random Japanese guy at SummerSlam 93. Remember? Right. Like, with the guy that's singing the national anthem. The guy that gave the flowers or whatever. <laughs> yes. And that version was very, as Gorilla Monsoon might say, lethargic. Yes. They didn't, they weren't good because you got to remember, Pat Tanaka had spent the last, what, four years or so with Paul Diamond. Teaming with Paul Diamond as bad company, no mask on Paul Diamond. Right. No shirt on Tanaka. Uh-huh. Uh, and then, and then Sato teams with them, and Sato was like a nobody. Yeah. Thankfully, at the end of 90 or early 91, I can't remember, but by the Royal Rumble. The Sato version doesn't last very long. No. Like, Kato comes in, yeah. and Kato is simply Paul Diamond with a mask. So that you can't tell that he's not from the Orient, yes. as the name implies, <laughs> right. Orient Express. Pat Tanaka, incidentally, is from Hawaii and also right. not from the Orient. Yes, I always thought that was actually <laughs> very American. funny. Yeah. Just, uh, Fuji's actually also from Hawaii. None of them are from, <laughs> no. from Asia or <laughs> no, Japan. or anything. Well, Fuji's like... He's Japanese-American. His, his heritage, yes. yes. But uh, the Paul Diamond version of the Orient Express that Quinn is talking about is a great team and put on some really good stuff, namely with the Rockers. Right, that but was were, their claim to fame. But it's bad company, for crying out loud. It was a good team that yeah. could have done more if it wasn't such a crowded tag division. Not only that, I think they were handicapped by like the, the gimmick and like Fuji and stuff. Like, yeah, it's like, true, because they're two small guys, well, especially Tanaka. They're meant to do like a high-impact style. Yeah. And a lot of wrestling. But when you're managed by Fuji, you're expected to play into the way Fuji manages people. Deviousness, hitting people with the cane, the, 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 the salt, salt, the ceremonial the salt. baby powder. That's a ceremonial salt that Fuji always carries. 
Like, Fuji's good for managing a team like the Demolition or the Powers of Pain. Mm-hmm. Big guys, you know what I mean? Yeah. That he could be like, ah, you got a job opponent, you know, right, or whatever. Right, right, But when he's managing these, like, plucky guys... Right, it doesn't make sense. Like, Orient Express actually would have made a good face team, if you think about it. They would have, honestly. Yeah. They're a great team. I think, when we could start adding more people, but it's become apparent to me as we go down the line here that Demolition's just going to make it, and they need to go on as number one, and let's just cut the... Cut, cut the, the cake cut here. Cut the crap, as they say. <laughs> yeah, let's cut the crap. So you want to yeah. put them in? Yeah. All right, for number one, Axe and Smash, uh-huh. The Demolition. All right, Michael, what else we got here? What about um, his Yokozuna? My Yokozuna. Yeah, I was going to actually say him next as well. Yeah. If for no other reason, then it's the only world champion Fuji I ever mean, managed. It- to me, if you only have one world champion ever, that's your like crowning achievement yeah. as a manager. And that should suffice, you know, yeah, at, yeah. at least one, right? Yeah. I mean, even Bobby Heenan never had a world champion. No, he didn't. He never did, you well, know? Well, Ric Flair, but... Technically, yeah, you're right. I always can include okay, that. He fair. was the financial consultant. He was. Now, one of the things I like about when uh, Fuji managed Yoko is that gave us the latter era, Mr. Fuji, meaning he shaved his head and he put on a kimono and he waved the Japanese flag incessantly. And he was like a pest. Yeah. As a manager, you know, the bucket. He did. He had the bucket. And I got to tell you, he was an effective heel manager for a period of time for Yoko, because as a kid, when I was watching WrestleMania Mm nine and Fuji takes like the packet of salt, I don't know why it was in like a packet and not in the bucket, but he takes like a (laughs) packet of salt. It was like Splenda or something. (laughs) (laughs) Splenda, not sweet. Yeah. And uh, (laughs) and he throws it at Brett. I was so pissed off. Yeah. Uh, and I got even further pissed when Hogan came out. But man, Fuji was good. He just, he, w- Yoko didn't talk, right? Yeah. Fuji couldn't talk ever. <laughs> well, that's how they had a spokesman. But Fuji was always technically still the manager, which what I always like. What I like liked. about Fuji during that era is him being in the kimono. He looks less threatening, so it actually makes him seem more devious. It's yes. like this old man could yeah. like beat the fuck out of somebody, maybe. Maybe. And you're not sure, but he never really did. But <laughs> like, yeah. He just looks like an elderly gentleman, like an elderly Japanese man that you right. would you would help across the street or something. <laughs> yeah, because he was he was like waddly and his knees weren't now, good. Was that during the period where he was really like not able to do anything anymore? Yeah, and that's probably the other reason why they brought Cornette in. Right, was to just carry the load, and right. Fuji was just kind of there, like ah, oh, that got like smiling <laughs> the whole time. And that that Fuji's also the Fuji that became a face at one point. Yes, I'm glad I was going <laughs> to bring it up. American flag Fuji when Yokozuna turned face. Folks, in early 1996, he brought Fuji with him <laughs> and briefly, very briefly, and I think it's even at WrestleMania 12, right? Yeah, it's it's late. He's waving the American flag. He looks like a fucking idiot. <laughs> like, and it's also during that, that era, too. Like, that's when Yokozuna, like, breaks his knee and they bring him out on a forklift. But Fuji <laughs> is with him, and he, following him along with the bucket and American flag on his way out the door. Any opportunity to bring up the forklift and you take it. It's yeah. one of the best things ever. It's very it's, remembered. It's also one of the best fat jokes in WWF history, but... That's a little mean, yeah, I guess. Talk about doing forklifts, yeah. if you know what I'm saying. Uh, anyway, I would say Yoko's a solid number two. No, 
he probably took a few <laughs> solid number twos. <laughs> but I would say he's a solid number two, Quinn. What yeah, do you think? I think so. All I right. think without question. He was the world champion. Yeah. One thing that bothered me, though, before we put him on oh, no. is Fuji could never say his name properly. <laughs> his Yokozuma? Yeah, my Yokozuma. My Yokozuma. <laughs> oh, my Yokozuma. <laughs> For number two, Fuji's Yokozuma. I would like to put forth as part of the Yokozuna team, and I don't know if we can count this or not, but Owen Hart. Yeah, I mean, technically, but I mean... Tag champions. Did Owen ever really interact with Fuji? <laughs> he was like at ringside. <laughs> that's like, true. I've, ne- he- I've, ne- I've never seen them like talk to each other or yeah, anything. You know what? That's kind of true. I mean, and, and even if Owen was like they were cutting a promo, Fuji would just be like looking off into space, <laughs> like smiling. Like it's like it's almost like he didn't even like know Owen was there. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. All right. Fair I mean, enough. He technically he, managed him. He but technically did. Just like he technically managed Davies Boy Smith because of that time when like david boy smith replaced yokozuna and the two dudes with attitude you're right yeah but fuji was there for some reason you are correct though Cornette by 95 was doing all of the work fuji literally was just staring off into space smiling you're absolutely right he was just saying in perpetuity my yokozuma (laughs) my yokozuma that good good. my yokozuma okay fine we'll 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 dump owen hart from the discussion there then what about now, say what you will about the Warlord, but the Barbarian is a great wrestler. What about the Powers of Pain? What do you think of them and Fuji managing them as like the evil mirror image of demolition for that period of time? I mean, not bad. It was okay. Um, it brought us like some funny stuff with like him turning on demolition. Yeah. It's like, you listen to me. <laughs> yeah. And also, the, I'm the bus. That also is connected to the whole Mr. Fuji winning the 5K at WrestleMania 5. <laughs> he didn't win it, he just finished <laughs> but it. But he won. <laughs> <laughs> and he wrestled at WrestleMania 5, and unfortunately. Wasn't, didn't someone like break. <laughs> Oh didn't God! Someone, what didn't someone drag him with a rickshaw? Yeah, that was what Gorilla said. Yeah, yeah so I take him in one of those push carts, Jess. <laughs> he got into one of those push carts here on the boards in one of those rolling chairs and had somebody push him around for two or three quarter miles. Could they like really be that ridiculously racist? Like that's like almost like. It's it's almost comical at that point. Like Mr. Fuji's not exactly a racially sensitive gimmick to begin yeah. with, Michael. Yeah. But I would say that they're not people like to crap like retroactively on the powers of pain. They're not that bad. They're not that good, but Barbarian's great. Yeah, but the, here's the thing is that's the powers of pain. They were very ineffective. Yeah. They didn't I, win dog shit. They, they almost won dog shit, but they didn't. You're no. right. Well, then I would have to say... I guess it's Morocco, unfortunately. Fuji Vice, Quinn, and all the skits. Uh, Yeah, that's good, but I... Give it that, at least. I just mean from a wrestling perspective. He didn't do dog shit. He didn't do much with Morocco, you're right, but he did fight world champion Hulk Hogan. That's true. He got up to that level, and he was a... Morocco was always solidly, like, in the mid-card the whole time. Right. Wouldn't you say that, at least? I'll give him that. Because I don't know if there's too many others that really stand out. I mean, the Orient Express is good. Yeah. In terms of his uh, wrestling team, they're probably the best wrestling team that he managed. In, uh, wrestlers, you know, that can wrestle in the wrestling ring on the wrestling show. Okay. 
So I think Morocco's a shoe in for three, right? I think so. For three? Yeah, for three. three? That'd be number three. I think it's going to be between the Orients and the Powers of Pain. I think so. I can't believe the Powers of Pain are like considered, but I mean, Fuji didn't manage many people, so. No, it's not. It's true. Fuji's managerial roster is not very extensive. Yeah. And something has to be for the best and something has to be for the worst. And I'm sure we'll find those. But I have no problem with the Morocco thing. I think a lot of our fans would agree. Sure. And folks, of course, at any time, let us know your best and worst, your Rushmore and Death Valley. Do that by reaching us on Twitter. Join the group, whatever you want to do. But for number three, the magnificent Morocco. Yeah, I think it's only fair. Yeah. So it looks like we're going to have a, a battle here between the Powers of Pain and the, the good Orient Express. Right. Ugh. That's hard. Okay. The powers. <laughs> let's let's try to run this down. Yeah, n- none of them had. Neither of them had notable. They're nothing careers. to write home about, no. as Gorilla would say. But the powers, though, did get a tag title shot, a prominent match at WrestleMania Five with Fuji. It was a pretty extensive yeah. angle, meaning he turned on them in November, mm-hmm. and they dragged that feud mm-hmm. all the way until at least WrestleMania Five. Uh, the Orient Express, on the other hand, had a very good match against the Rockers to open Rumble ninety one and ninety two, and a very good match against the New Foundation to open yeah. ninety two. Yeah, you have good quality matches there. They were two different teams. One was like more like a curtain jerker, but in a good sense, meaning like they were hot open. The right? Express. In the Orient Express. Yes. Whereas the Powers of Pain were more like, okay, they're like going after the tag tails because they're kind of like demolition. Yeah. And like, they were they were like a that's lower. basically it. They were a lower card demolition. You know, they would have matches with like the Heart Foundation and the Rockers. Mm-hmm. They were kind of just that big imposing heel tag team that never really won against, except against Jobbers. Yeah. But then again, the Orient Express never really won one against jobbers either so yeah. they're on the same tier i guess but they serve different functions within the card to me the powers of pain represent like a folly by fuji in kayfabe fuji's folly yeah fuji's folly that's mm. why i can't like i honestly don't consider them because they're like <laughs> i know it's just stupid wrestling storyline but mm-hmm. i mean if you're looking at it from that perspective at the same time it's like why the fuck would he like go with these guys when he has the tag champions and they're awesome okay fair enough i will also i'd be remiss if i didn't mention this quinn did you know fuji sold the barbarian to bobby heenan and the warlord to slick because he got the now it was the original orient express but that's that's the reason why the powers of pain broke up he sold right before wrestlemania six you know where bobby spent a lot of money yeah. Spent a lot of money. Spent a lot of money. <laughs> Spent a lot of money. Spent a lot of money. And that's the reason why. So he actually basically dumped and split up the powers of pain for the Orient Express, which should show you that even Fuji himself <laughs> valued the prospect of a Japanese team, his own countrymen, higher than these two muscleheads that hadn't done anything for they him. They didn't do dog shit. They didn't do anything, and they let him down for an entire year. At least the Orient Express gave us great matches. That's right, Quinn. And the powers of pain splitting up gave us Barbarian versus Tito Santana at WrestleMania six. Yep. And... If Sato hadn't left the Orient Express, he would have never found Hakushi in the Orient. You know what? It all makes sense now. It's all there. It's all very clear. I think it's a shoe in here. <laughs> For number four, the Orient Express? Yes. All right. Well, to recap for Donnie here, the Mount Rushmore of Mr. Fuji protégés are the Demolition, the good version, yes. Axe and, and Smash, Yokozuma, mm-hmm. the Magnificent Morocco, and the Good Orient Express, that'd be Kato, 
and Tanaka, not to be confused with Sato and Tanaka, not to be confused if you're Quinn with Saito. Not to be confused with Judge Cheeto. Yes, thank you very much. Yeah. That is our Mount Rushmore. Quinn, that was four of the best. I'm going to kick it off with one of the worst. I'm going to go right forward as I always like to do. One of the worst people <laughs> that Mr. Fuji possibly managed and his name is Killer Khan. <laughs> Killer Khan sucks. Killer Khan is awful. I don't get He never was ever good. How was he like around so long? I don't know. He never did anything. He was a big jobber. He was. And the thing with him is, I guess he had this feud with Andre in 81. Who cares? <laughs> but that's before Fuji even managed him. See, Fuji managed him, Quinn, in 87, where he really didn't matter. You know, if you're hyping him based off a feud with Andre... You know what happens in a feud with Andre? Yeah. You lose. <laughs> so feuding with Andre is a stupid thing. Yeah, like, unless it's uh, from 1987 onward. It doesn't make you good. And no. Yeah, like you said, unless it's 1987. Yeah, but 81. Yeah. No one was beating Andre in 81. <laughs> yeah, I and I remember very clearly, and maybe uh, Richard Land or somebody out there can clarify what show it's on. You and I watched it, Quinn. We were watching, I believe, this is a few years ago, a Boston Garden House show from 87. And it was an early match on the card, and it was Bam Bam Bigelow versus Killer Khan. And I remember it was the funniest finish to the match because <laughs> Killer Khan did his like spew, and Bigelow ducked, and it like broke Killer Khan. Remember that? And he was like, oh! <laughs> yeah, he was like, <laughs> And then Bigelow beat him. Big smile on the face of Khan. Here comes the green student. He missed it, and a drop kick by Bam Bam. Look out, big splash! He got it! The green slime didn't work this time! Yeah. And that's what I think of Killer Khan and why it was so stupid that Fuji managed him. He and was I, terrible. And I know there's worse, Quinn, so why don't you throw more on the table here? What about Sika? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck Sika. Okay. Like, he's horrible. Roman Reigns' dad. Roman Reigns' dad was a horrible wrestler, and I don't understand how even Roman Reigns came from him, but... <laughs> who, who was clamoring for solo Sika matches in 1987 and 8? No one ever in <laughs> that, the history of wrestling. Because that's when Fuji managed him, and I feel for some of these guys, Quinn, it's appropriate for us to provide the proper context, because Sika obviously was notable as a member of the Wild Samoans, but that was the early 80s. Yes, by the time he was just Sika by, by himself, himself, he was nobody. No, and he was managed by Fuji... Again, another case of here's this fat, low-card heel for someone to beat up. That's what Killer Khan was in 87. That's what Sika was in 87. You know what I think of when I think of Sika? I what? just think of a guy that should be on Best of Coliseum Video, Volume 700, like <laughs> losing to nobody. Losing to like Brad Reingans in yeah. a tryout match. <laughs> yeah, like, you know what I mean? Like he's that guy. Or he's in a battle royal just sucking and getting eliminated like not first, but like second isn't, or third. Isn't that literally WrestleMania 4? Maybe. <laughs> but the point is, is I've seen him in other battle royals too. It's not even just that one. Like, yeah, he's know. always in there and he's like, Gorilla's like, oh, he weighs a lot, so he's got a chance. It's like, okay, so he's fat, good. Well, Sika certainly isn't like Jess, and he's a goner. Like, fuck Sika. Like, no. Sika's actually worse than Killer Khan. Okay, I like, agree. He, he's actually worse. He didn't even have a feud with Andre. Yeah. He didn't even have anything. 
He's he's just he was part of a team no. that, <laughs> that got costed the title when Louis Louis Albano. Remember, he hit him with the chair by accident or whatever. Yes, you want to put we want to put Sika in for number one. Yeah, fuck Sika. Okay, let's play hide and Sika <laughs> for, for number one. Sika. Die, die, die. A leaky there. Yeah. So, all right. So that's number one. Sika. Killer Con's still on the table. Can, can I ask about yeah. one that's probably not going to make it, but it's yeah. just, it's bizarre to me? Yeah. Jeff Jarrett. Jeff Jarrett was only managed by Fuji, <laughs> like, incidentally for something <laughs> so once. It was a match between Lex Luger and Jeff Jarrett. Yes, it was a qualifier for the King of the Ring, I think. And I recall seeing it on some Coliseum tape yes, or something. It's or like, somewhere. It's on one of those shitty one-hour ones hosted by Stan Lane. <laughs> like, <laughs> Hello, everyone. I'm Stan Lane like, here on the green screen. Yeah, he doesn't give a fuck. He's, like, in the closet, and they just, like, projected There's the green screen There's even some of them it. where they were not even, like, they didn't even care enough to even have Stan Lane on screen. He's just talking over like a screen that's the dire days of policy and video let me tell you that much get the camera out they just get a mic and can you say some shit stan about this tape that we don't care about that's gonna break in a month because the tape quality is so bad oh god hi fans i'm stan lane and welcome to the world wrestling federation's super slams so yeah no jeff jerry can't count but (laughs) i would like to give you another one not only did fuji manage sika not only did Fuji manage Killer Khan, mm-hmm. oh, but he also managed Quinn Kamala. Yes, I, I was going to bring him up too. I just needed to get that Jeff Jarrett shit out of the way first. But now, Kamala obviously doesn't have a leg to stand on, you know, yeah, as far he as being have two legs to stand on. I don't think. <laughs> so I don't know if it's fair, but <laughs> I don't get. Okay, look, I've had enough. I feel bad for the guy that that he can't walk. Okay. Kamala fucking sucks. <laughs> That's all there is to He's it. Really I don't bad. care anymore. He uh, maybe he was great in 1980 fucking four when Jerry Lawler is like 1974. Ah! Yeah, Big Jim Harris, whatever. I don't. He <laughs> fucking sucks. I hate seeing him. He's never good. All he does is like pat his belly and fucking suck. <laughs> there was a Rushmore of just the worst wrestlers ever. He's like, terrible. Like, like just wrestlers. He might be there. Like, he's that bad. Kamala is horrible. Not to mention, so the whole Fuji angle with this, right? Yeah. Doesn't that also include, like, Kim Chi? So then you, now you have and two Friday. guys who literally can't talk. Yeah, and Friday was the other handler before Kim Chi or something. The <laughs> Friday. Al- alternate handler. Yeah, it's real. There's, like, another handler. And then one of them's Brooklyn Brawler dressed <laughs> yeah. like Kim Chi. <laughs> it's real. Uh, Kamala stinks. But the Fuji time, that was the... Because Kamala had a lot of shitty runs in the WWF, and this was, like, an early shitty run for him. Like, yeah. his 87 shitty what run. Would you, just on a side note, yeah. who would you say is Kamala's best manager? Uh, kimchi. Yeah, I would think so. What? Who? Slick. I, I, I would say slick. Are you kidding me? Because it's at least slick. Like, get, tried to give him like a character. Uh, oh stuff. come on! Like, Sl- he couldn't even pin people when he was at slick. <laughs> yeah, but he it, forgot to wrestle. But we cared about him. Remember when that time Kamal was able to successfully bowl? <laughs> like, and then we were all happy for him. We didn't get the job done here with Kamala, but I know he. <laughs> Yeah, that was happy. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> but when Fuji managed him, though, it was some sorry shit, man. Yeah. It was another big fat heel, <laughs> the same way Sika was, the same way Killer Khan. Yes. That was, that was. That's what he did. He sucks. <laughs> I don't care if he drew money in Memphis. 
<laughs> he never drew money in WWF. I don't want to watch him. <laughs> no one ever does. He couldn't draw flies if you covered him in shit. When he was managed by um, Fuji, was that during the era where he had just the big white paint on his forehead and he looked weird? Like he looked different. The alternate paint. Yeah, his it's early like paint. really shitty. It might have been. It just like somebody just like painted a, a white circle <laughs> on his forehead. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Quinn, you know that Fuji also managed a. <laughs> this is a bad one. Crush. Yes, actually, I want to talk about this. Please talk about this. I love when you talk about Crush. Now, while it to me it was an upgrade for Crush. From what? From like Orange Crush and all that shit. <laughs> but but not by much. No. I mean, this crush, crush is, is one of the worst things ever. Well, I have to say, before you continue, that 1994 heel crush is one of the least important wrestlers ever. Oh, he's bad. He, he's you not know, needed. You know, to me, what cemented, like, how bad that run was when he, like, got tied up or whatever by the Macho Man? Yeah. Because that is, like, the worst finish I've ever seen. It's, like, the most unconvincing, like, reason why he can't, like, get back. It is. It's and pretty embarrassing. It's, like, he's very loosely tied yeah. up. And it only holds for, like, 0. 0.2 seconds before <laughs> yeah. he falls over and Macho just sprints to the ring. Right. Like, it's terrible. It is. Uh, I'm okay with putting all of these guys we've mentioned on. I want to just make sure we're not missing anyone here. What about the, Jim Neidhart? Yeah, he managed Neidhart before Jimmy Hart did, I think, very briefly in 84 <laughs> or some shit. What so. about the Moondogs? I don't know. They're kind of good. They're okay. But that was after they mattered, right? Did they ever matter, Quinn? They were the tag champs. Did they ever matter, Quinn? Oh, come on. <laughs> no, what about, uh, what about the Berserker? Now, I know Huss Huss and we love John Nord and Huss and Huss and Huh. Yeah. Berserker is another wrestler. If mm. 94 Crush didn't matter, neither did 92 Berserker. Berserker's like the early form of like Mantar. <laughs> like he's like that shit. It's like, like if you just, cross Mantar with Bruiser Brody. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Honestly. It, it's like just this guy that, eh, while it's on its face, it's a little funny. It's just ultimately dumb and a waste of time. He's vaguely like a wild man, but he's yeah. not really. Mm -hmm. He cuts promos in English. Yeah. So he's not that wild. But he's also supposed to be like a Viking, but there's no more Vikings anymore. Well, he's the last Viking, maybe? I, how, what did, was he frozen or something? Like, I don't understand. That would have been okay. He was originally billed as the Viking from Iceland. Hmm. Then they changed it to the Berserker from Parts Unknown. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Let, let, let's do this. Is there any... Before we put anyone else on, we, we've got Kamala, Killer Khan, Crush, and Berserker. The Who have we inducted? Just Sika. So I think I think Kamala or Killer Khan should be next. Not George Steele. What about him? We didn't talk oh, about I him. I hate George Steele. I cannot. Yeah, but, but that was heel George Steele. That was so brief, though. Okay. Because Steele turned face in '85, and Fuji started managing like in '84 or '5. <laughs> so I think it's very That's brief. just like an overlap confusion yeah. thing. Yeah, I don't think we have to worry about Steele. We don't have to worry about Neidhart. Out of Kamala or Killer Khan. <laughs> Who's worse? I hate to say it, but I think Killer Khan is actually worse. Yeah, he's terrible. All right. He's but, really bad. So when we put it in perspective there. Wait, did he? I don't see him on this list, but did he manage Tiger Chun Lee? Didn't that happen? Am I imagining that? Uh, was that the guy with the spew? <laughs> Maybe it was. Or was Killer Khan the spew? I don't know. <laughs> Wait a minute. You I just threw a curveball out there. Or did they just team up, Quinn? I swear. I think they'd know they just teamed up in 84. I don't think he managed him. What? Yeah. 
I, I don't see it. It's not official. It's not official. It didn't happen. Killer Khan is number two. After mm-hmm. after intense deliberation, <laughs> never fucking again will we talk about Tiger Chung Lee. <laughs> Do you want to put Killer Khan on for number two? Yeah, definitely. All right, he is the number two. For number two, Killer Khan. Die, die, die. Get that shit out of the way. All right, we got Kamala Crush Berserker. Mm-hmm. It's 1992's like worst of the worst right there. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> okay, we got Kamala still, right? Yeah, I'm not convinced that Kamala's good. No, he isn't. I- I'm not. Oh, Bob Orton. Bob I mean, Orton. Yeah, but, but that, that was part of the Morocco then, thing. That's fine. That doesn't bother me. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's Kamala mm-hmm. or Crush or Berserker. None of them are good. I'll say Kamala first. Yeah, I think so. Kamala blows ass. He really does. Like, he's shit. And with but. Fuji, see, one of the things we haven't had to do much here because with the good people, Fuji like knew his place and it just worked. But one of the things that a manager, as we've said before in other episodes, is supposed to do is make your wrestler better. Well, he, he didn't make any of these people better. Exactly. The bad pairings. You know, sometimes yeah. it could be a good wrestler. Would you say Fuji had most of the bad pairings? Or was that Slick? We'll have to do Slick soon. Yeah. We have to do Slick because that's another one. The, uh, the quadfecta. What, what what would you call that? Quadrology. The quadrology. Yeah, let's go with that. All right. You know what? Kamala stunk. I don't like him. He sucks. And uh, <laughs> he's like literally the same thing with every manager, too. Like, that's the other thing. Yeah. Other than, that's the only reason I give crap. Slick credit is because it's the only time he's something different. I cannot believe that you're defending, like, 1993 Kamala and Slick shenanigans. I usually don't, but I, I, felt, <laughs> no, I don't. felt really good when he bowled that time. It was nice. It was a nice moment. But is it safe to say, Quinn, that Kamala's not walking away from this Death Valley? Oh, hell no. He's still in there. All right. So, for number three, Kamala. Die, die, die. Crusher Berserker. I think that's who we're down to. Okay. So I'm going to say this. I think Crush might make it, and I'll tell you why. Because it's the disappointment factor. Crush needed that heel turn, like, badly. Oh, yeah. Because he was, like, utter poop by that point, right? He <laughs> yes. sucked balls. And the Savage Feud had promise. But Fuge, the stooge, did yep. not elevate him in any way. No. Right? And you would think he would, because at that point in time, Fuji was managing the world champion. So it was like, nat- right. it felt like... Oh well, Crush is going to now like be a world title contender, or, right. like, or he's like second in command in that faction or whatever. Mm-hmm. Instead, he just sucked donkey dick and like dick. lost to Randy Savage in a shitty way, and that was the end of him. And, and then he went to prison or whatever <laughs> for the drugs or the steroids or the guns or something. I can never remember a million different things. <laughs> who knows? <laughs> Meanwhile, you got the Berserker, right? Yeah. Who, to be fair to John Nord or whatever, yeah. nobody ever like thought he was he was just a guy that was supposed to like beat up some jobbers okay, yeah. on superstars and yeah. lose to like i don't know just jake the snake or somebody yeah like, people like that like, yeah like davy boy smith right undertaker yeah. Bret exactly, Hart. okay yeah. well another thing to consider about why crush should be on is fuji also managed him as part of the bad demolition that's true so i think that cements it yeah all right for number- actually that technically counts as a double induction so the bad demolition Slash Crush. Yeah. All right. For number four, just Crush and his demolition version and his Kona version. Like heel Kona. that's Crush. He did learn the martial arts in 94, but it wasn't enough to save him. Yeah. And then he learned his name in 98. <laughs> his real name? Yeah. <laughs> for number four, Crush. Die, die, die. <laughs> Recap for Donnie here. This is a shitty list if I've ever seen one. This I feel like, like even the Rushmore is bad. Yeah. <laughs> like, 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 it is. It's horrible. I guess we've what we've uncovered here is that they did not want to give Fuji anyone good. <laughs> yeah. Except demolition, maybe. Uh for <laughs> to recap for Donnie, we have Sika. <laughs> 
Killer Khan, <laughs> Kamala, and Crush. And maybe Tiger Chun-Li. Possibly. He, he <laughs> we, we're a, not sure. Uh, He's like the mystery member. Honorary inductee yeah. Tiger Chun-Li. That's our Mount Rushmore and Death Valley of Mr. Fuji Proteges. Thank you, Andrew LaSalle, for the suggestion. And I, as I mentioned, at any time, reach us on Twitter, send us an email, or join the Facebook group to let us know what you think. Quinn, when we come back, we're going down to Atlanta for some WCW, and that's coming up right after this. Hello, wrestling fans. Howdy doody. We're here to remind you that if you really like our show, you can donate over at patreon.com slash OVP podcast. That's right. And we have three rewards tiers. For $1, you get the raw video recordings of our episodes each week. Mistakes and all. I don't make mistakes. Add another dollar and you get the raw video plus weekly commentaries every single Friday. That's where we watch a match and talk over it. It's good. And for $3, you get the raw video, the weekly commentaries, and our monthly live video reviews. Yep, we watch 1982 WWF while you guys watch. So that's patreon.com slash OVP podcast if you want to donate. And now, over to Sean Mooney. Who? Hey, it's Sean Mooney. I may no longer be in the event center, but if I was, I'd be talking about our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast. All right, boys. Let's get to it. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thanks for being with us. Quinn, we, uh, we're reviewing something here. It's time. Yeah, it's time for this one. This is, uh, this is WCW Saturday Night, a one-hour edition, and it's from Saturday, April 4th, 1998. The reason it's an hour is because uh, the Braves were playing later, so you got to get that baseball in. Welcome to WCW. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Now, WCW Saturday Night, this made the Rushmore, did it not, of our best uh, programming when we did an episode 80 a couple weeks yeah. ago. And WCW Saturday Night, by <laughs> this point, was fast becoming a C show at best because Monday Nitro, clearly the A, and I think was three hours by this point or was three about hours. to be. Yeah. Yes, I, I just watched one of those episodes. There you go. Thunder had debuted in January, and that was now the new B show. Mm-hmm. You also had a Monk Saturday Night main event was still going in 98. I don't even understand how. Yeah, which like, is like a recap show, a yeah. shitty tier one. Worldwide was still going. The spinny ring. And yeah, and Pro was still going. Was the prime on? No, that was gone. No more. No more prime. It's the prime, baby. <laughs> but we did still have WCW Saturday Night. But again, think all American in terms of importance by this period of time. Or I don't even know. If that not even that high. Yeah. Spotlight, maybe it maybe. was not much. But April of 1998, Quinn, is a very good period for WCW. It's and great. <laughs> one that you've been especially fond of lately. I've been going back and uh, watching the episodes, doing my due diligence. I know this is an April episode, and I'm only in about February in my rewatching right. of this. But um, damn, 98 WCW was great. Like, it really is. It's awesome. The, the roster is amazing. You have Jericho. You have Voldemort. You have Dean Malenko. You have Eddie Guerrero. You know, the NWO is still hot. Yeah, they are. The, the breakup angle is intriguing because people are like, oh, what's going to happen? I don't know who's going to end up where. What's going to happen? Goldberg. Right? Goldberg. DDP. Brent the Hitman Hart's yeah. there. A lot uh, of people. Raven, the flock Raven, and all that. Raven. I mean. Sting. Yeah, and even stuff like Mr. Perfect is like wrestling like normally. Yeah, thankfully. Yeah, it was just, it was an interesting time. Um, there's also that whole like, 
the TV title with Booker T and 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 Voldemort and uh, Fit Finley. Well, that was a little later, but in, early in the year there was the Rick Martell yep. thing where that was another like fight two guys in a show thing. Yep. But although I think that wasn't supposed to end that way because Martell like he, tore he his tore ACL his or something. I think it's Super Brawl or right around Super Brawl. Yeah. No, I watched the pay per view. He tears it like at Super at Brawl. Super Brawl, right? And like they tell you. Like, in the middle of the match, yeah. they're like, oh, we've gotten word that Rick Martell... <sighs> Sad. And somebody's like, that might be a career ender. I think Bobby says that, and it is. It pretty much was. He came back once, heard of the game, and yeah. that was it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Quinn and I are both fond of 98 WCW. Now, for all the, the jibes I make at WCW, and a lot of them deserved, and I really don't like 97 WCW as much, I really don't, I, both at the time, in 98, while watching, and retroactively... I really like 1998 WCW. Yeah. So this was a suggestion to do something from 98 by Quinn. Yeah. And and I was all for it. I think that what this proves, 98 WCW, is that it's a huge misnomer. Say that again. To believe that Starcade 97, as whatever you believe about Starcade 97. (sighs) Chuck Mess, listen up. It didn't ruin the company. The company was not like kaput. Because like I've heard people on our boards say that like it sunk WCW. Uh, it didn't. But I would it, say the next year's Starcade, Starcade '98, sunk WCW. It was the first chink in the armor of what began began to be a slow decline the following year. Right, Starcade '97. It was still mishandled, but it didn't kill the company. No, no, no. But again, if they didn't catch fire with Goldberg, I don't know. We've talked about that too. I don't know because now that I'm rewatching it, I it mean, wasn't all about Goldberg. Even even without the Goldberg stuff, they had some good shit going on. They did. I that, agree that, with it you. Was, it wasn't all just Goldberg. No, there was a lot of good stuff in '98 WCW. Unfortunately, this episode is not a great indication of that. Right, and we kind of get like a cold open. They're doing a one hour show. It's very condensed for time here to make sure that you oh, know yeah. just shit gets this done. Seems like it was like taped longer and they weren't sure if they were going to be preempted because the way it just cuts in like i think the way they they edited this in post they didn't know if it was going to be a one or a a two-hour show right we get right to an opening match here we're hosted by scott hudson and mike tonight i didn't realize that hudson was there in 98 i didn't realize he was employed by this point it's a weird team too hudson and tanae yep you know two straight men basically why is it so dark it, it's very dark here. And I know that's probably like the tape quality. <laughs> yeah, but, but it's no, it's, it's dark in the arena. It's very distracting. Yeah. I mean, Psychosis is wearing a black outfit, yes. so he just looks like a shadow, yeah. like wrestling. <laughs> like, quite literally. Yep. It's Psychosis versus a guy I had never heard of. I think he's just a jobber, William Worthy, mm-hmm. who kind of looks like a thinner ice train. Yeah. Like tights and everything. I mean, honestly, haircut. Right. Like, he kind of looks like ice train, but like, if he lost a lot of weight. What's weird, too, is like, he seems a little too hefty to be fighting the cruiserweight psychosis. That's a very good point there. So we get into this weird cruiserweight match here, I guess, or it's just psychosis <laughs> versus the heavyweight. Nick Patrick's the ref, and you said... Yeah, it's sad they brought him out. With it. This is not... This is not Nick Patrick territory. No. So we get an armbar by the jobber here. William Worthy. Psychosis flips out of it. The announcers talk about Savage and the NWO because, of course, they do. That's what WCW announcers talk about most of the time. To be fair, this is, is, a, psychosis, this is a psychosis and William Worthy match. Yeah, I guess you're right, Quinn. <laughs> Who cares? There's really not much going on. So much so that Quinn started to pontificate about why there were Nitro Girls, but never Thunder Girls. Yeah, um... I feel like it was a huge folly on WCW's part. Maybe, <laughs> yeah. it, maybe it was part of the downfall that um, <laughs> they didn't have. They they named them Nitro Girls. They kind of they kind of like pigeonholed 
mm-hmm. having dancing girls right. onto one show because right. they named them after the show. You're saying they, they had a missed opportunity of sorts yes. by not having a but dance pro- troupe on Thunder. The thing is, the dance troupe was formed prior to Thunder, so maybe, and I know Kimberly Page kind of did it like on her own, mm. so maybe she didn't know there was going to be another show, and she's just like, oh, it's just Nitro, so Nitro Girls. Did anyone really care about the Nitro Girls, Quinn? I was into... um one of them i don't remember her name <laughs> so the answer is no <laughs> i forget what's the what's the one that had the spice like, you like spice the boy haircut or whatever what was <laughs> yeah the bob the bob yeah she was spice cute. yeah spicy spice yeah spicy spice yes so william worthy with some offense uh worthy of a jobber thank you why would anyone go to the arena for this anyway, Quinn? Like, like, honestly, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think about like even while we're watching it, like I'm like, how did they like? Was there other stuff here like in the dark matches? Was where, there a raffle? Did Hulk Hogan show up and fight Jock Rougeau or something? Jock <laughs> Rougeau. Yeah. Was there like a giveaway or something? Was there bingo? You know, it's crazy to me because I. This is a weird WCW thing. Yeah. You know how WCW wasn't like known for house shows? No, and this is why. But in in 98, they were ramping up their house shows because they were so they were. hot. Yeah. Like, it, it's always weird to me to see like footage of WCW house shows just because they're like... It feels they're, they're, weird. They're, they're like a weird anomaly. Like It's like when the Yankees had to play at <laughs> Shea Stadium in 98 because yeah. like Yankee Stadium fell off the cinder block fell off the roof or something. Oh, that thing fell on the people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they they had were to... like, oh, fuck, we got to fix this shit. Just because Yankee fans had to spend the day at Shea didn't mean they necessarily liked it. I feel like I'm in the bizarre world with Superman. I, I can't believe my Yankees are lower to play in this, this monstrosity of a stadium. You know that was the impetus for the new stadium? Like, that was like the final straw. So it took him eight years to approve it and 11 more years. Yeah. 11 years to build it. But it got the ball rolling. It's like, oh, shit, the roof fell on someone. (laughs) Maybe maybe it's time to, like, do something about this. They're like, shit, we don't want to play it, Shay. This (laughs) sucks here. (laughs) So anyway, it's Quinn's favorite where the jobber gets way too much offense. And then Worthy misses an elbow by 10 feet. But Quinn and I want to explain this. It's not that he was trying to hit the elbow and he missed by 10 feet. He was trying (laughs) to miss the elbow but he missed it by so much that like psychosis moved way too far and way too early yeah he moved so early that it's completely like it takes my disbelief you know how you have to have the suspension of disbelief with wrestling yes it's like so unbelievable that he would just not just stop doing an elbow like it's it's like so incredibly early yeah it's like if i stood up like 10 minutes before Joe went to do an elbow to me. Like, because it, it might as well be. Yeah. Because like, he's completely gone. You're absolutely right. Like, Clothesline gets two for psychosis. I actually thought that could have been the finish. And then we get the guillotine or guillotine leg drop. <laughs> gets the win there for uh, hypnosis as we get the 1-800-COLLECT replay. May I say in this replay, yeah. it shows how William Worthy's leg is stuck oh, yeah. in the rope, but it's really just kind of like laying draped old, over it. draped over the second rope, and he's like selling it, which yes. I props to him, but yeah. like, it's the worst, like, it, it's the, to me, it's like the second mark against this match after the, like, missed yeah. elbow that should never have even been attempted. I know. It's terrible. I think even uh, Tanae says something to the extent of you can see uh, his inexperience. <laughs> probably a power plant guy, I swear he was. <laughs> he probably was. He probably was. He probably had no experience. Yeah. They probably just threw him out there to, like, go get a guillotine from psychosis <laughs> the inexperience of the rookie william worthy certainly comes into play 
Quinn, you also said during the replay that you can't believe they're still doing the robot theme. I can't believe it. It doesn't fit in at all. With 98? Like, especially with, like, they were changing up, like, how the pay-per-view sets and stuff were. Having yeah. more video boards. Cutting and, edge. Like, yeah, and, like, darker red colors and yeah. blacks. And, like, I don't know. Like, here you got the big, bright blue and yellow. And, with the robot doors or whatever like, they yeah, did. And the robot doors. <laughs> and it looks like RoboCop should be there. It looks like 1992. Yeah, it's just straight out of the early 90s. Even though, like, this set only started in 94, 94 which it already was late for that. Yeah, it was <laughs> dated by then. Yeah. By the way, Saturday Night is brought to you by Valvoline because... Every single episode of wrestling programming in the 90s has to be brought to you by an oil company. <laughs> if it's wrestling, There's it's oil. motor oil. Yep. <laughs> so or H- if it's uh, Conrad Thompson, it's motor oil. Too. Hudson and Iron Mike shill Spring Stampede, which is coming up, and they promise footage of Hogan and Piper from last Monday, and I really hope that they break that promise. I never want to see it. <laughs> we head to the ring as David Penzer announces Kidman being carried piggyback by Reese. <laughs> that and, was kind of funny. Yeah, this is still the itchy version of Kidman. Yeah, not Sick Boy. <laughs> yeah, gotta, it's, not it's, Sick Boy. It's, 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 it's very confusing. I posted this on the boards the other day. Why did they have a character named Sick Boy and have a character that itches himself in the same faction, and they sort of look the same. Sick and itchy are two different uh, symptoms, though, Quinn. Yeah, but you're if you're itchy, you're, you're sick. Not necessarily. What if you had poison ivy? That's still sick. That's not sick. It's sick. You consider that sick? Yeah. Any kind of, like, you're not healthy, you're sick. Sick <laughs> is the antithesis of healthy. His opponent is the friendly-faced Evan Courageous. He's like, hi! Yeah, he's like, hi, I'm here, guys! <laughs> and I didn't realize Evan Courageous was there in 98, yeah. to be honest with you. Mark Curtis is the ref, and I gotta say, Brian Hildebrand, Mark Curtis, longtime uh, Memphis and Smoky Mountain referee. Mr. Suspenders. Uh, great wrestler in his own right, great referee, promoter, manager, all the things the guy did. This is getting towards the end, unfortunately, not only of his career, but of his life. And it's just a nice moment to give a shout-out, you know, a salute to Mark Curtis there. I honestly didn't know yeah. he, this had happened to him. I thought he was like still alive and well. No, he he died unfortunately. I believe of stomach cancer was in late 1999. That I, upsets me. Actually. Yeah, great. They put all him around in the talent. Hall of Fame. He should be. He's good. All around. I'm sure fucking Earl Durrell will get in before he does one day. Well, when Vince I don't decides know. he can make money off Mark, of Earl. Mark Curtis is pretty iconic because I remember him in WCW Revenge, like his face he's or the whatever. Ref, yeah. he's, he's the, the animated ref. So just a, a little tribute though to Mark Curtis. By all accounts, things I've read about him and seen about him, hell of a guy. He's awesome. Great talent. And uh, it, it just it's sad, but it's also happy to still see him going here in 98. Yep. So that's our little shout out there to Mark Curtis and maybe uh, Mike Mills from uh, Booking the Territory would appreciate that one. It's another great show yeah. to check out. Cheap plug. So we get some wrestling to start, Quinn. And uh, not only wrestling, we get punching. Yes. Oh, the punching. <laughs> yeah, I love punching. Which is weird for WCW. They're more about the wrestling. They like there. that wrestling yeah. down there. Yeah. Uh, ugly tornado DDT by Evan and then a drop kick and a big power slam gets two. A sunset flip gets two. Kidman comes back with an overhead side slam for an acrobatic two count by Mark Curtis, Quinn. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love when Mark Curtis does that, like, he slides on his side and then does like the side look. Oh. Like I'm looking, I'm talking to the mic sideways, just doing it. And then he's yeah. like, <laughs> like, you know, like I love the nuance that he puts into being a referee. Yeah, I really do. I think it's really cool. He's cool. good. WCW always had one up on the WF when it came to referee quality. They did. Nick Patrick, Pee Wee Anderson, all their refs tried. Little Mitch. They even to me, they had a better like referee angle with the whole like that guy gets fired or whatever, and then his family comes out. <laughs> Mr. Bishop, oh, please, I got a family. I want to bring my wife and children out here so you can see the pain that you've caused 
terminate me. Which one was that? <laughs> it's that that's the guy with the little mustache. <laughs> and, little mustache, yes. And he comes out with his little fat kids. And his big gut <laughs> yeah. and his polo shirt, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good angle, though. It's good. So, <laughs> Kidman comes back with an overhead side slam, as I mentioned, and he grabs a chin lock as Scott Hudson mentions how the WCW executives are locked up in meetings and the sandwiches and the soft drinks and all of that because they've got some important things to discuss, Quinn. What is up with the WCW executive committee? Like, they were, like, always in meetings in kayfabe. Like, <laughs> they were. It, it could be Saturday night on a pre-taped show. They're somehow in meetings. <laughs> no, I gotta it, ask you. It, it could be, like, Nitro or yeah. whatever. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Always with the meetings. Who's on that committee besides J.J. Dillon? So there's J.J. Um, I, it's assumed, right, that Eric Bischoff is, right? Even he's a when heel, he's a heel, though. Yeah, but that's the thing, is that he's also the, the president. That's true. His that's, power was never revoked, right. right? So I assume he's on the committee. Wow, so he's sitting in there trying to like get his way. Like, yeah, that's that to me was the the K in my head canon was the kayfabe reason like the NWO could stick around because they had like a vote. I guess that's true. On the committee, I guess that's true. That's a very good point there. I'm yeah. glad you mentioned that, Quinn. Very, very good. But there's probably others. I don't know who though. That's the thing. Is Doug Dillinger in there? What What about um? What's his head? Um, who am I thinking of? Um, I don't know. The the guy from AWA. <laughs> blanking on his name. Brad Reingans? No, no. The, um, the guy, I know who you mean. The guy who was the champion. It, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to help you. <laughs> wait, what was his name? Bachwinkle. Yes. Uh, no, he was gone by 94 or 5, actually. Right, yeah. But that's a good try, though. That right. was good. He was gone. Well, they could have just wrote him on the c- committee backstage. They could have, actually. So Evan Gray just gets a power slam for two, and he heads up with a nice flying clothesline for another two count, but he misses a springboard moonsault, and Kidman comes back with a front slam, a rare move there, and he heads up and hits the seven-year itch. Was that really the name of the... I don't know. The, I want to call it that, though. That's a good name. <laughs> I know. I think it was. That's the uh, Shooting Star Press, I thought right? it was just the Shooting Star Press for him. I think it was called the seven-year itch, but if it's not, I'm calling it that. Good job there, sick boy. Nice win. He and- is sick boy. <laughs> Spring Stampede, Quinn, April 19th. We see clips of Randy Savage beating up Sting and then Randy Savage beating up Hogan and Randy Savage, Randy Savage, Randy Savage, Randy Savage. Was this one brought to you by Slim Jim? Yes, Is it was. The, okay. I thought that um some other pay-per-view was the Slim Jim one every year, Halloween Havoc. Yeah, I think Slim Jim might have brought, maybe Slim Jim brought us this show because there was a Slim Jim ad. Was it, wasn't there a part of the contract? Because I know this happened like earlier than 98, but in 98, was there a part where that said like, anything Slim Jim funded or whatever that Randy Savage would be in the main event? Well, Savage, no, I don't know if that's true or not, but you might be. Actually, that's a good point, because didn't Savage always like main event Halloween Havoc? He always, because, <laughs> he because was prominent. of the Slim Jim thing. Yeah. Because he was always no, prominent. No, that's actually true, but I don't 96. know if it applied to like, wow. like other ones. That's a good point. I don't know that. It's a good question to look up, because actually. Because magically, all of a sudden, Randy Savage would be the number one contender by the time, like, by <laughs> the time there was Havoc, a Slim yeah. Jim pay-per-view. <laughs> like, now, Quinn, uh, we get a Ring Pops ad. What did you think as a candy of Ring Pops? Just want your thoughts on Ring Pops. I think while on paper they seemed like pretty like awesome, like a lollipop that you could like take with you, like and you didn't have to hold. In practice, they kind of sucked because the flavors were shit. Like they didn't taste as good. They didn't taste that good. No, they didn't have that oomph of like a Tootsie Roll pop or like the Dum Dums or something. Dum Dums are probably my favorite pop. So the only thing I don't like about Dum Dums is they're kind of small. They're small, but they're worth it. I mean, it's just like good flavor, good good yeah. texture there. It's ni- nice time there. The thing is, with Dum Dums, you could have like three of them in one sitting because there was like they were nothing. I've done it. Yeah. And then I chew on the pop 
uh, the stick like a yeah. Razor Ramon uh, with a toothpick. Yo, Chico. Hey, Chico. Dan Marino wants you to get a loan, by the way. And then AOL, Quinn, you can check your stocks. Yeah, this, <laughs> don't forget about those stocks. That's the most important part. It's my key to the whole internet. Email. I get instant messages. Check your stocks. Check your stocks. Check your stocks. Yes. Not the chat rooms no. with like Honky Tonk Man in them or whatever. <laughs> Are you referencing something, or are you just making something up? I just, I, I, in, for some reason, in my brain, I remember WWF when they used to do AOL. They used yeah. to have like really stupid people <laughs> be in the chat room. Honky talk, like yeah. <laughs> I think you're probably right. That yeah. probably really happened. Yeah. And then, uh, did you know Quinn that Tootsie Rolls are low in fat? Why were they always emphasizing that? Like, <laughs> like what? Who is checking the fat content on like a tiny piece of candy? First of all, like it's 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 very small, Joe. What lollipops are high in fat? Second of all, <laughs> if you're eating candy, I don't think you're concerned about fat content. <laughs> you aren't. Do you think there is any fat in a Tootsie Roll at all? Because it said low. It didn't say none. There has to be that, right? That's right. Yeah. yeah. Low in fat. Good yeah. point. So Nitro is Monday in case you've been living under a rock for two and a half years. What is this reminder? Like, it's literally, we're at the height of like, it the was Monday must, Night War. Monday Night War. Like, <laughs> there's like fucking 20 million people watching this shit yeah. every week. What do they need to tell us about it? You know what they should be doing, Quinn, is on Nitro, they should be saying, remember, Saturday Night still exists. Please. Yes. Thank you. Because it always bothered me that they left. Saturday night to rot. It like, rotted. We could see it rotting. Listen, decaying here. If there is any fucking matches on it, they yeah. should care about it. I mean, the main event of this was hyped at the beginning with Crush that's and everything. True. But yeah, no. It so like, it's like, it's like that seems like it would matter to the the outcome of Nitro. Yeah, you know? might be a, a little consequence, right? Yeah. So Rick Fuller, why? Who? Who's Rick Fuller? Why does his name seem so familiar? Uh, like, Fuller. like I know him. Maybe you're thinking of Rob Fuller, maybe Colonel I don't Rob know. Parker. But anyway, he's facing a. Prince Iakea here. Charles Robinson is the ref, little Nate. Now, Iakea Quinn is the number one contender because he beat Glacier on Monday. For- fuck Glacier, by the way. <laughs> yeah, fuck Glacier. For Jericho's cruiserweight title, and that's a great little part of the whole Jericho run now, there, Now, this obviously. is a, a, another important step. Yep. So this is during Jericho's acquisition phase. Where yes. he got the mask of Hoovy, mm-hmm. he got Ray Mysterio's leg brace. Yes, he got uh, yeah. and uh, IAK is like skirt or whatever it is. Well, that's what he would get at the yeah. pay per view or whatever. Mm-hmm. He got Dean Malenko's like pride or whatever the fuck that I was. I think he took his pride. Yeah, yeah. that's right. But he got all this shit right. So mm-hmm. this we're in the thick of that. Like this is literally like IAK getting ready for his big shot where mm-hmm. he would eventually lose his Hawaiian skirt or whatever. <laughs> yeah, and to get ready for that big shot, he beat Glacier. And you asked me, Quinn, why did Glacier? by the way, have such a big gut. Yeah, Glacier is definitely not a cruiserweight. <laughs> no! Why, why was he even qualified? But I have to say, Jericho looks nothing like a cruiserweight either. But he wrestled like one. He wrestled like one, but he's clearly like 250 pounds. No, he's not. Not in 97 or 8. I don't know. Check, take Probably take two, a look at him. 225, 230. He looks like he's double the size of Eddie in 98. Eddie is like tiny compared to him. And Eddie was probably 220. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. in 98. So anyway, to start the match, we get big drop kicks by Prince Ikea. Fuller with a big boot and a choke toss from the top rope. I gotta say this about Fuller as he hits a knee drop for two. He's big and he has a pretty good look. I don't know who he is, though, or what became of him. I have no idea who this guy is. Are you sure he's not one of those guys in Chronic or something? No, that's Brian Adams and Brian Clark. Adam Baum. Oh, okay. (laughs) Adam Baum is the other guy. He looks like one of those guys, though. He looks like Abyss a little bit, too, doesn't he? Yeah. A little bit. Something's rubbing me the wrong way about this Fuller. Yeah, and you said, like... 
write in about him. Like, I even looked him up and I was like, nothing about this is ringing a bell. Like, where was he? Maybe like, maybe just WCW around this time. Maybe he's another know. power plant guy. Was he like high in high voltage or some shit like that? Oh, God, was he? I don't know. He looks like it, though. He looks like he should have been in high voltage. You're right. But high voltage existed in 98 because I saw them on a nitro in 98. Really? Yes, they're still there. In 98? So, fucking Fuller is not that either. Who is this guy? Low voltage? Yeah, you're going to make it all 220? Yeah, 220, 221, whatever it takes. So an overhead backbreaker by Fuller. Prince reverses with the Northern Lights for the win. That's weird, too, by the way. Prince Ikea should not have a chance against this guy. I'm sorry. like It's a mismatch. Why? Why do they not, like... It's like they understand the cruiserweight division way better than Vince does, but at the oh, same yeah. time, they do weird, crazy shit like this, where they're just like, "Yeah, let's have a cruiserweight beat like a fucking three hundred fifty pound guy." Like, this is, yeah, this is second match on the show where yeah. cruisers fighting a heavyweight. Yeah, it makes no sense. It's very strange, but anyway, this NWO promo is by Crush Brian Adams, and it's it's like the original, like this is paid yeah. for by the NWO the, thing. The following announcement. This is paid for by the New World Order. And he's facing, as Quinn alluded to, Davy Boy Smith, the British Bulldog tonight. And you said uh, something very, very, very funny, Quinn. Yeah, as I watched this <laughs> promo, things are like adding up in my head because, again, like I, I said, I've been watching this. stuff, right? Yeah. Yep. I'm like, holy shit, they were really like invested in Brian Adams. Like they thought he was going to be a big fucking deal in early 98 because so I'm watching Nitros from like February right and this mm-hmm. is April so which means they, they sustained this push yes. apparently yes um in February already they're giving Brian Adams like fucking like private time with Gene in ring on Nitro yeah. to like cut promos yep. he's like calling out Bret Hart and yeah, shit yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like he's like no joke like in my brain the way I remember it is that he was like just NWO B team nobody gave a shit that's what I but remember apparently too. he is like they were trying. They, they, they had high hopes for Brian Adams in 98. You know, I can see that for like, a couple of reasons. Yeah. A, ex-WWF guy, they always want to take anything they can do to rub it in, right? And be like, look who we have now, Vince. We're going to do something with but them usually, that you didn't. But I mean, at the same time, they, they did like that shit with VK Wall Street. They did it with a lot of people. Yeah. But th- they didn't hype him is what I mean. At first they did, but very briefly. He's on the first Nitro. Yeah, he was a little bit. I'm just saying this Brian Adams is no, longer than that's, like that. This is, this is yeah. abnormal. This is an abnormally here. The other thing is someone over there, whoever was you know in charge of talent acquisition, I guess Bischoff, but someone must have seen in Brian Adams that, all right, he's a big guy, good look, not a good talker, but convincing enough. 33, 34 years old here, still a lot of gas in the tank, has never really properly been... WWF didn't, for all the shit we give Brian Adams... They never gave him a main event. No, like, his 94 was just a toilet flush. It was horrible. Yeah. They didn't do anything with him. It's not all his fault. The booking was real shit. Right. You know, so they probably figured, fuck it, let's give this guy a shot. I mean, they kept giving him a shot. He wasn't chronic, for crying out loud. Well, that's when they've given up. This is This is... We're, we're before they've given up. It seems like they want Brett to make him. That's kind that, of what the, they seem like they're building towards, right? And yeah, I mean, already on Nitros that I was watching is like Brett's like they're fighting each other every week, like not in matches, but like they're they're almost like setting up to a pay per view, which is strange for WCW because WCW always like blows their load on Nitro. <laughs> so for them to be like at the WCW Spring Stampede, I'm gonna fight Brian Adams or whatever the fuck happened here. But you know what's weird though for Brett. Bret Hart off the screw job is going to WCW 
to fight a guy that he fought numerous times right. in the WWF already. Like, you know, they wanted me to fight Crush. I had already beaten him five times in the WWF. You get what I'm trying to say? I get it. So I don't know. It's on one hand, I appreciate them trying to give Crush something to do. On the other hand, it's a very big downgrade for Bret Hart. Yeah, that's true. That This feud. But anyway, Mean Gene plugs the hotline and he says, Quinn, if you're surfing the web tonight, <sighs> check out, I have a problem with this website. Uh, okay, go ahead. WCWWrestling.com. Tonight, if you're surfing the web, be sure and check out WCWWrestling.com. World Championship Wrestling, Wrestling.com. Now, a couple <laughs> things here. Yes, go ahead. That's confusing. Yes. That's, that's really stupid. But it's also the beginning of the internet, so I can forgive a little bit just because, like, nobody knew what the fuck they were doing with, like, domain names and stuff. I clearly remember. I think someone else had WCW.com. Right, yeah. Someone no, else. I'm just saying, just to be fair to WCW, yeah, yeah, they, I get they it. did what they had to do, right? Yes. Secondly, though, it's the way that Gene talks about the internet here. Like, it's like a broadcast or something, and you need to, like, catch it. If you happen like, to be surfing the web, you know? Yeah, like, like Mean Gene thinks it's like TV or something. It's <laughs> just the way he says it yeah. that you can tell he doesn't understand what it is. Right, exactly. Uh, we go to another match here, and this is uh, an interesting one. It's Gentleman Chris Adams as a face, as an underdog face. I don't understand. This is very confusing because he's a big jobber on Nitro. Yeah, and he's fighting... <laughs> And you would think, this is the thing, I'm immediately thinking, oh, someone's going to come out and kick Chris yes, Adams' ass, right? exactly. Yeah. No, who's already in the ring? Hard body Harrison. Why is his body so hard? <laughs> Who is this guy? I don't even, he looks like Sweet Daddy Seeky or a something. A little bit, yeah, yeah with, the, with the blonde uh, yeah. hair and beard thing. So I suppose Chris Adams was, like you said, he was a JTTS at this time, he right? He had to be because he wouldn't be getting, like, wins. Right, right. I'm with you. I saw him coming out, and he's like, yay, I'm Chris oh, yeah, I'm Chris Adams, Mike. Yeah, yeah. Right? I figured, like, so, I don't know, like, pick someone. Scott Norton was coming out to Hell, kick his I ass. I could imagine fucking uh, Stevie Ray could kick yeah, his ass or right. something. Like, not even not even anyone good. Like, <laughs> you know? But no, it's Hard Body Harrison, and Hudson, uh, Scott Hudson name drops here, all of the new <laughs> this is amazing. talent in WCW. You ready for this one? <laughs> Barry Darso, old John Nord, Huss, Marty Janetti, old Kendall Windham. Who cares? <laughs> I guess they're trying to like rub it in with those first three guys that these are all ex WWF guys. What did the Berserker do in WCW? I don't remember any of that. He literally wrestled <laughs> under his own name, yeah, and wrestled almost exclusively on Saturday night. <laughs> yeah, but also and that's what he did. Now. What are they talking about with Barry Darso being new? Because wasn't he like hole in one Darso and all that bullshit like before this? I don't think he was yet. I think it's a misconception that he was there from the bully all the way until the end. I think he was the bully until 95. He got fired in 95 with Dustin Rhodes for blading on the back of the truck. Wait, that truck thing led to people being fired? They bladed and they weren't supposed to, both of them. And they got fired. Both They're them. asking them to risk their lives on the back of a fucking truck and you're going to fire them for a blade job? Fuck you. Like, that pisses me off. I never even knew that. Yeah. Until this moment. And then I think he came back in 98 as Hole in One Darso. 
That's from what I remember. New Marty, talent. Yeah, new talent. Marty Janetti. <laughs> He's fucked up by this point. Why would they even pick him up? I mean, if it wasn't clear by his new Rockers run that he had nothing left to offer. <laughs> He's so bad. He's really bad, and he would get worse as time went on. Yeah. And Kendall Wyndham, like you said, who cares? <laughs> that guy like, blows literally. ass. I hate Kendall Wyndham, actually. Like, I've never liked him. I thought he was terrible. You know, the I hate rap. Or, fuck that guy. Like, he's just boring. Should we get Gorilla in here? Yeah. All right. Who cares? Exactly. Thank you. So, anyway, Adams with a vertical suit play. And you said, Quinn, it feels like a territory match from, like, 85. I don't know what I'm watching. Like, I'm like, this is really weird that Chris Adams is, like, being enhanced. <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> like, he's yeah, not the, the enhancement talent. Like, <laughs> I, I I feel like I could be watching, like, a world-class world or class. something. Yeah, that's a, yeah world-class. That's exactly what I was thinking of. You also took severe umbrage with hard bodies, half pants. Yeah. Does he want to wear the you know the underpants pants or does he want to wear the sh- the long pants right. what does he want now by half pants folks i don't mean <laughs> shorts I mean that one leg is tights like long tights and the other leg <laughs> is, is the, the speedo is the speedo what is that yeah, i don't know did he make that himself like where do you buy that i don't know like i thought ahmed johnson had the stupidest leg attire with all like the braces that went all the way up to, to like his just, chunky thigh to me i just always thought it was stupid to do that because everyone knows to aim for his legs <laughs> what a fucking idiot big clothesline by adams and he heads up too but hard body tosses him off for two quinn starts to wax philosophical about how chris adams is here on wcw saturday night in 1998 doing a jobber match while a guy that he he trained his prized pupil just won the world title in the it other is company. very like sad isn't it a little it, bit it's a little sad to watch him like have a fat gut here and like just you know get scraping by wins against hard body harrison on <laughs> wcw saturday night i mean fat body versus hard body yeah it's it's kind of i don't know it's sad and he took his wife too i mean yeah and meanwhile like, it's, it's fu- all of it's fucked up actually yeah he did he took his wife. Adams. He took his fucking wife. <laughs> That's right. And he's like a drug addict on WCW. <sighs> Meanwhile, they're hyping the new talent, and Chris Adams is in the ring. That's yeah. even funnier. So anyway, half pants here misses a crappy splash, and Adams gets the win with the super kick. You know, the inventor of the super kick yeah, or whatever yeah. he is. Then this was weird. Glacier storms in for no adequately <laughs> explained reason. Yeah, which it, well, it is explained, but it's stupid. Yeah, <laughs> he kicks Adams in the head. Yeah. First of all, they're both faces. Second of all, it's Glacier who gives a shit. Why did they? What happened here? Yeah, I don't remember Glacier being a heel ever. No. However, he takes umbrage with the fact that somebody else used the super kick. Okay, let's pause for one second. I'd love to. Why is Glacier acting like he's a super kick guy or whatever? That's Shawn Michaels' thing, so fuck him. Well, Michaels had just uh, dropped the ball. So <laughs> Second of all, Glacier is... Glacier. A fat piece of shit. Gym teacher. Why is this guy like dealing with like cruiserweights and stuff? Why is he there? Yeah, like, n- why is he still there? I'm just confused at his overall, like, what he's Existence. doing. Like, he's mad at Chris Adams for using a super kick, right? Yes. That he doesn't even have a good kick anyway. I never thought Terrible. Glacier had a good kick. Awful. But second of all, they previously mentioned, like, he's all, like, I was in th- with the cruiserweights for Prince Ikea, but he weighs, like, He's all fat and has a gut, so like, what is it? Why does he even qualify for that shit? I don't know. And now his blood runs cold or something. Blood runs cold. He does say that, right? At the end, he says something something runs cold. You didn't believe it before. You better believe now. Anyone caught using my kick is getting knocked out cold. You know how like he's supposed to be Sub-Zero? 
Yeah. It looks like he ate sub sandwich. <laughs> okay, so anyway, this week in WCW Motorsports, cars drove around for a while. And make sure you tune in next week for this week in NJ Turnpike, where cars drive around for a while. This recap of this racing shit is way too long. There's a driver that's like, all right, a car going everywhere. Our cars were going everywhere, coming off the wall, coming off the inside wall. I saw a hole and I just kept my foot in it. Who cares? Crush was like changing a tire. Yeah, I, okay, well, I think it was Crush. At least it was. It was a wrestler of some kind. It was probably crushed. And does this mean the race car driver is going to help with the wrestling next week? Like, <laughs> is are they? Is he going to be like his like second and like <laughs> well, put they, water on his face or something? His second? What? What you are, Donovan? <laughs> ah, second guy the ring. Wait, didn't they have an NWO car? By the way, yeah, Kyle Petty. Also, why would they? Why do I know that? Okay. Another thing here, this is the WCW car very specifically, right? Yeah. But if Brian Adams is in the NWO... Well, maybe it wasn't. Why is he the big traitor changing the tire of the WCW car? Maybe it was Kenny Chaos or Wrath or one of those guys Joe, or you know Rick it, Fuller. You know it was Crush and you know they just didn't give a fuck. <laughs> like, you know they fucked up. Yeah, you're like, probably right. Uh, so anyway, we got another Spring Stampede promo, which leads me to wonder, and I, I mean this, and it's no disrespect to this man, but why in 1998... <laughs> Was Roddy Piper still a major player in WCW? Like, honestly. Honestly, you know what I think it is, Joe? I think they probably just signed him to a contract and they were like, we have to, like, use it up. I guess, because... I I don't think it's Piper's fault. I don't think it's anybody's fault. It's just, like, it's WCW getting a little over-anxious with contracts in, like, 96. And they probably, like, they signed Piper to two years and it was just like, well, we got to fucking use him, so... It's unfortunate. And, again, I say this not because I don't like Roddy Piper, He's not even bad on the mic or anything. He's still fine. It's yeah. just that in a company where there's so much younger talent and right. and then older talent like the NWO guys, mm-hmm. Hall of Nash, I'm not even talking about Hogan, right? Hogan's an anomaly for being old and still on top. We don't need Roddy Piper here. The, that's all I'm saying. You know what's the thing about that's indicative of WCW throughout Hogan's run, NWO, not NWO, whatever, yeah. right? Mm-hmm is that a lot of his feuds are, like, transient, and people will just come in for, like, a month and fight him. True. Like, but for, like, out of nowhere. Like Jay Leno. Like Jay Leno. Like, <laughs> hey, I mean, come here. Like, the there. like Piper. Like Savage when it's time for a Slim Jim <laughs> yeah, pay-per-view. Only when it's convenient for a Slim Jim. Yeah. But like, you're right. It's very, like, GDP. transient with what Hulk Hogan does. But what's weird about it, at the same time, he has, like, overall story arcs that he's like also dealing with. It was the most Hogan had been around in forever. That's true. Like, yep, and it worked. Yeah. People were got sick of him, but like in a heel way. Right. You know what I mean? They're like, "Fuck, I want him to lose already. Enough with him. <laughs> yeah. He's annoying." It's weird how it's like the most we saw Hulk Hogan in the history of Hulk Hogan, probably. And it, the total contrast to where Hogan was a very special attraction 10 years earlier, and you right. wouldn't see him often. And another reason why Hulk Hogan is one of the greatest professional wrestlers of all time, all around, bar none. Mm-hmm. Great character. Anyway, Piper's going to be teaming with the pre-diaper era <laughs> yeah. big show, uh, the giant, uh, <laughs> yes. against Hoke and Kevin Nash, but Hoke and Kevin Nash aren't getting along. This is where the NWO shit started to get a little uh, fidgety here, and they started to do the wolf pack soon after, and I stopped this, caring. This is, okay, I will say this, I feel like at this point, pre-wolf like wolf pack, yeah. it's kind of compelling. 
Because the three wolf pack. Because the, the cracks keep happening. So initially it was Macho Man. Right. And then he's like, okay, I'm back. Well, yeah. Right. And then now Nash is like, hey, right. you know what? I'm not feeling this anymore. And yeah. then Scott Hall was like, I don't know. And then it's <laughs> I like, don't know. it's just like, I kind of like how they did it at first. But then once it was just defined as wolf pack. Yeah. The thing that killed the wolf pack for me, right, mm. was when like people like fucking Luger and Stinger in it. I'm like, it was weird. Why? Why? Because they're faces. So like, you got to have the faces. Yeah, but if you think about it, if their objective is to get rid of the NWO, why would they like join the other NWO? Well, that's like the happy NWO or something. I get that, but wouldn't they just be like, oh, now we can just pick them apart because we're united? Because and now they're like in separate factions. It's like when Bowser teams up with Mario in Super Mario RPG because the other guy's worse. It's like that. Does that help you? Sort of, but I feel like it's they're missing an opportunity to completely eradicate NWO black and white and NWO wolf pack. Right. All in one fell swoop, all, you're saying. All in one right? fell swoop. That's not a bad idea. Yeah. But you're saying it's pre-wolf pack, but the cracks are starting to show here. Right. Unlike uh, Marty Jannetty, where the crackhead in him is starting to show. <laughs> Thank you very much. We have the Starburst on the road report, not with Lee Marshall, it's just with uh, Mike Tanay or some shit. <laughs> you know, I didn't, that didn't even occur yeah, to me that there's, not now, even... there's now a thunder on the road. What was the... What was it always with that on the on the road shit? Like, so were we supposed to believe that Tony the Tiger is sitting in a hotel room by himself a week before? Like, oh man, I can't wait till Nitro gets here. You know, Weasel, yeah, I no. drove around the arena here. They have an Arby's, but I would have to tell you one thing <laughs> that you're not going to be able to weasel your way into a deal here. I would always envision him in a hotel, a motel, right, Joe? Motel, you're not even you a know, hotel. A motel, they ain't right? paying for shit for Lima. Like one of those with like a murder bathroom and like yes. everything is brown. Oh it. yeah. And like, like and planes, trains, and automobiles like brown style. And red. What is unique? Uh Latin for asshole. <laughs> and like orange. Is it near the room where Luger was telling the writer anyway, about the thing? I just envision at the he's at the like you know how they always give you like a desk in those shitty hotel rooms with like a piece of paper on it? I just envision like <laughs> Lee Marshall with the old like, rotary phone sitting there for seven days straight before his plane to the next city ahead of Nitro comes. He ain't taking a plane, he's taking a bus. <laughs> yeah. Just like thinking of the weasel joke the whole time. <laughs> like it's sadly. Like and that's his life for like three years or whatever. It's just very sad. Maybe they like invite him like once a month to like hang out or something. It's rare that you even see him on camera by ninety eight. <laughs> it's just his voice. Yeah. He's probably they probably just paid him to stay the fuck home. What even was any of that? I don't like, know. It's so weird. Oh, but in case you were concerned, Thunder will be in Tallahassee. Florida, that's a that's a scary place there. <laughs> and uh, now we get our our match here, our, our featured match, the main event match. It's the NWO's Brian Adams by himself entering and uh, against the Bulldog. We get clips of Rude and Perfect beating up Jim Neidhart, but the Bulldog and Bret Hart made the save. <laughs> that's literally all. WWF guys. It's so bad. I it, it's ridiculous that they just acquired all these guys just so they could feud again with each other. Yeah, yeah it's amazing. Made, like some of the alignments are slightly different. Not like, even by much. Yeah, not by much. But it's funny. The one thing that I do think they like, I don't know why they didn't just do this. Why didn't they just make them like instead because they probably couldn't say Heart Foundation, but no. call them the Heart Brothers or something. The just Heart any, Stable, the, the Heart Family. Yeah, the Heart just anything. Why didn't they just do that? Because they're WCW. The WCW! So Bulldog, with his usual rule Britannia theme, which was nice, 
I'm just glad they didn't do like a WCW version of it. It's just they don't the regular. Need to get in, I know, it's but free. it's WCW. You know what I mean? You never know. With Could them. you imagine if they got a public domain version of Rule Britannia? Even that sounds too similar. Sorry, <laughs> it's the long tights edition of the Bulldog, but not the jeans. Yeah. The regular long tights. Uh, and Crush attacks to start. Mickey J is the ref here, and Quinn, you said the stipulation here is this is a WWF match. <laughs> Like, literally, this could be 1996 on, like, Superstars. It's like, true. I'm serious. It's the only thing that's different is they're on the robot set. Yes, like, the robot set. It's literally the same thing. <laughs> so Bulldog throws Crush into the stairs a few times, leading Quinn to wonder why the Bulldog fell down the stairs in I mean, terms of his career in WCW. I don't know. It's, it, doesn't, it seems weird that, like... He didn't seem like he was out of shape or anything. Fine. Like, what, Why didn't you just use him? I don't know. He's like 35 years. He's that old. Yeah. I don't know. I, I do know that his um when he heard his back on the Warriors trap door because the Warriors a fucking asshole that needs a trap door entrance. <laughs> and he got slammed on he it. He fell and, on his ass. He fell right on his ass. It was bizarre. Yeah. But anyway, back in the Bulldog gets a hip toss and a clothesline. You had a question about Crush's tattoo. I do have a question. Yeah. How did Crush get that tattoo off his face? It was like the full face tattoo, Joe, and it's just gone. I don't think it was real, Quinn. Well, I it looked to... pretty damn realistic. What did they use a pencil? It wasn't like <laughs> it wasn't like one of those really dark like you Maybe know it was when, henna or you something. know when you do the stick the the sticky tattoo it wasn't the, that <laughs> but those kind of tattoos they're like very pronounced they're yeah not, how did they make it like that i don't get it I, I think they have professional temporary tattoo artists that know how to do that so he, every night he would like have someone like draw it on his face or yeah, do you probably. think it was like for like a week or something Maybe and he had a stencil did he not take a shower all week so that it didn't that. come off? I could see that but happening, then the, yes. How did the sweat not take the tattoo off? Maybe it was a sweat-proof tattoo. It's called the sweaty spot. <laughs> it's the sweaty spot. Nasty pile driver by Crush gets two, and then we veer into a discussion of the similarities between Brian Adams and Brian Lee. I was always confused. Actually, they're what, very similar looking. And it, this, the reason I got into the discussion was because of the tattoo thing, right? It mm -hmm. led me into that because I was very confused when Crush came and he was called Brian Adams because I was like, wait, is that like Brian Lee? Like, no. I'm not sure. Different guy. It, it always bothered me as a kid. It was confusing. It's like the whole sick boy Kidman thing. Right, it's, right, it's right. very, It's very similar. You know what? To, to make matters worse, in that 1996 Bollywood movie, Crush fought Brian Lee Undertaker. Right, yeah. You know, so they actually fought each other. Very confusing. That's a very weird sentence to say. Bear yeah. hug by Kona Crush here and then an overhead slam. Bulldog makes a comeback with a big clothesline and his trademark delayed vertical suit play. But as he's going for the power slam, because he wants to win, or maybe he doesn't want to, but he should win, <laughs> whether he wants to or not. Mr. Perfect interferes here, but then Neidhart runs in to make the save. I suppose Brett isn't here. He ain't going to Saturday night. Yeah. And then we just fade away. They, they're literally like, baseball's got to start. Goodbye. Man, that was like WWF City, that last match. It oh, was. Yeah, like, I literally, I, I could have just said at the bottom, uh, copyright Titan yeah, Sports and Superstars or whatever. Well, that's a one-hour episode of Saturday Night from 98. Do, yeah. you think they, uh, do you think they did that WWF angle to rub it in their face more than anything? I don't know if it was a rub in the face as much as like, if you think about it, think about it like from a logistical standpoint. Sure from the defections right didn't we talk about how all these people defected all at the same time because of brett uh, like it was like, like a lot of four people. or five guys yeah so it'd be brett yeah bulldog neidhart rude crush and crush yeah i think that's everyone do that you left. think that like they literally were like well we need time to like 
build these people in the storyline. So, but they want to work now because they need a paycheck. So why don't we just have them all work together for a couple months? And Sir, Mr. Perfect's got nothing to do. Put him in that <laughs> shit. Like seriously, eh, maybe Quinn. Yeah, maybe. But that's a uh, that was a very odd snapshot of what was going on. Yeah. It doesn't really reflect too much of the greater good of WCW in 98. Yeah, especially like on the other shows when they're actually really good. Yeah. This is just kind of like a throwaway thing. I will say it wasn't horrible though. It went by very quick yeah. too. And the commercials were on this too. Some of them, yeah. yeah a couple of commercials. It was well produced. It was well paced. And there but that's was, a WCW show. That's WCW for you. Yeah. And uh, there was nothing particularly bad about it, but nothing important, obviously. It was interesting to see like some of the weird shit like Chris Adams yeah. winning a match, you know, stuff like that, like psychosis fighting, like who the hell knows rick Fuller. honestly though that that was a that was that chris adams thing that is such like a a wcw saturday night thing where, oh like, yeah a lot of people would like win that you'd never see win anywhere right. else like <laughs> that's what they that's what they that, use that show for right by 98 was for guys like john nord and all those people to actually win matches right so that when they came on nitro they could just get their ass handed to them by the nwo Correct. or something but at least they'd won you know yeah. what i mean that's yeah. why it was kind of cool that the show was still around and speaking of still around we will still be around next week as we head into episode number 83 thank you so much in the meantime for listening and if you want to reach us on twitter if you haven't yet at ovp podcast email us if you'd like to at ovp podcast at gmail.com join the group if you haven't yet if you have a facebook and you like to talk about wrestling what are you waiting for just join the group and if you want to donate of course you can go to patreon.com slash ovp podcast but in the meantime i am joe Murata. that's michael quinn we'll be back next week until then so long see ya The following announcement has been paid for by the New World Order. Davey Boy Smith, the British Bulldog. You got me, Saturday night. Saturday night main event, Bulldog. Let me tell you what you got to look forward to. I'm going to crawl inside you, Bulldog. I'm going to expose all your weaknesses. You think... You can match me, power for power, punk. You and nobody else in the WCW have no idea what kind of power Brian Adam possesses. Because I'm going where we crush, I'm going to beat him with you like I know. Bulldog again, wait a minute, Savio Vega has tripped the Bulldog. Savio Vega's holding the Bulldog's leg down and crush gets the victory. Will you stop? stop.